Hello and welcome to episode number 77, seeing double, of the third power, double, third power, two to the third power, eight. Uh, as always, this is uh, one of your hosts, Anthony, can't say my name. Line. <laughs> this is terrible. Oh, it's all right. As always, this is your host, uh, Anthony Avatolo. And as always, my uh, cue card man is here with me, Usman Jamil. Hello. I'm holding up cue cards. Right. Yeah, my name is Slim Shady. There's I, a, I, uh, I always remember an episode of Married with Children where Kelly Bundy is trying to remember her name, and she's like, hi, my name is... And she looks on her hand, and she goes, left. And then she looks at her other hand and goes, Kelly Bundy. What? I always thought that was funny that she had the word left written on her left hand, so she could remember which way was left. Huh. That's... Yeah. She was, she was not bright. Yeah, I think that was part of the running gag. Yeah, was, she was correct. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, we are here to talk about the v potentially very large impact that War of the Spark is going to have on cubes everywhere. Uh, maybe even more so on a common uncommon cube than than uh, a normal cube. Yeah, I, man, I, and we're already in new set season. It's like, hey, here's Modern Horizons. And I'm, I haven't even gotten done updating my other cubes yet. It's like, oh, hey, here's a new set. And I'm like, what? I think I updated my peasant cube with like some of the walkers because a lot of them were just kind of like bleh. But yeah, this set's gross. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, well, I, I can't speak to to pauper uh, uh, peasant pauper stuff very much outside of getting a chance to play it uh, once in a while. Uh, we can certainly uh, discuss, and, and maybe we should have a, a brief sidebar, brief sidebar before we begin, just kind of talking about planeswalkers uh, and and their role in cube and what you'll be doing with them. Because for the first time we actually have uncommon walkers, which are going to have impacts on other cubes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought that was nifty. And some of them are just not just good at uncommon or whatever. They're just straight up good. Right. They're just good. Yeah. And the, the fact that, you know, they're, they all come with static abilities now, uh, is, is pretty heavy duty. Like, uh, some of them in particular, the, the fancier versions are going sky high because of uh, their impact in older formats. So, Yeah, yeah, this set has got a lot of stuff. And I think even like now when you see people, like the first week after a set comes out, you'll see people get gotten by new cards. Like, oh, I didn't expect that to happen. With right. like this onboard trick, it's like, oh, haha, I misread it. But how long has this set been out? Like at least several weeks, right? Yes. Yeah, and people are still getting gotten by like, uh, like Teferi and like Narset or whatever. They're still getting gotten by those, and it's 
and it's understandable just because it's on a weird axis, you know, like static abilities on planeswalkers. You're just like, oh, it has one loyalty. It doesn't matter. All right, Alchemist. I actually saw one. It happened last night. I was watching uh, Wyatt Darby's stream. Uh, shout outs to Wyatt Darby, who we saw in Memphis. I saw in Memphis. We were mm-hmm. he was at a barbecue place, and he, I was. I probably sounded more out of it than I am now. Like now, I'm just tired. But then I had gone from it being 20 degrees and waiting outside to flying to Dallas where it was 70 degrees and I still had my leather jacket on right, right. To, to 40 degrees and raining in Memphis. And then I think the next day it caught up to me and it was just like, you're just going to feel like garbage. And I'm like, cool. And I saw him. He's like, I think he said like, yeah, I can't blame you. The GPE was, you know, tough or whatever. I'm like, dude, I wish I had that excuse. I, I just cubed all day. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I wish I was cubing all day. I'm like, nice. But yeah, I saw on his stream like um he had I think he was playing some kind of super friends deck and his opponent just went super friends deck is very popular right now. Yeah, yeah, that card's that deck's really good. But yeah, I saw his opponent uh do a main phase chemistry's insight, draw nothing, and then scoop. With like Narset on board, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, Narset was on board to stop to stop the card drawing shenanigans. It was I, I think the opponent was pretty dead anyway, but right. That was kind of like the, the you know the shame concede where it's just like right. oh, okay You're just like yeah I wasn't winning anyway that was yeah. a hail mary and literally like I just dropped the ball when I tried to throw it so yeah we're, we're yeah done it was here. the old fashioned punt but yeah, yeah we're, we're it's it's a it's definitely really interesting and I, I remember like there was a lot of hype from like R and D people being like this set's really cool and whatever and. You know, it's understandable to be cynical of that kind of thing because, I mean, well, they're not going to say... think it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like... I'm trying to think of when Prophecy came out or something. I don't think Rosewater was going, yeah, this is the best set ever, but... No, I didn't hear anything about that in Mercadia Mass block, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Hey, we're in Mercadia. Yeah. <laughs> here, here Nemesis wasn't super hyped. No. Man, not that I remember. But good lord, prophecy was a stink bomb. Yeah, we got Avatar of whoa. Yeah, we got yeah, we got Spore Frog, which has been printed in right, just recently reprinted. Yeah, I found an old an old foil one in my uh, bulk pile a number of months ago. Oh, just like, huh? I wonder if this thing is going to be worth less or more now. Probably less for a little while until people realize that the old foiling is way better than the new foiling in a lot of cards. I assume it'll probably go up. Like people want to play that kind of deck in modern, whether it's good or not. Oh, I just think it's just been a commander card for a long time too. So yeah. Anyway, let's yep. talk about cube since we've now mentioned yeah. modern com- and command. Modern, yeah, so, exactly. Um, let's let's just talk a little bit before we get into the four hundred planeswalker set. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what how you feel, how we feel about uh, the number of planeswalkers in cubes their role um, and, you know, those kind of things. And, and, you know, making swaps for other planeswalkers, putting a limit on the number. I, I know you have lots of thoughts about this. It's, it's weird because I've been working on an article talking about that kind of thing. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, exactly. And then like, you know, it's, you know, I've been like working on that and then 
like somebody in like some discord was saying how white or like one drops weren't good in aggro. Did I ever tell you that? <laughs> no, I don't remember this. I, I, yeah, I probably should have. So like somebody was saying like, wh- like one drops aren't good in aggro in cube because like the, you know, the whole trope about one drops being bad and limited. So I was, um, you know, I kind of was jamming, uh, so, you know, made a one drop. So what I did was I created a, like a kind of a, I'm trying to think of the term exactly, kind of like a skeleton for a white aggro deck, you know, from Popper Cube, because I wanted to use that as an example. Mm-hmm. But, but like, um, where the skeleton was, you know, there weren't any one or two drops. The rest of it was just like a base where one of the cards was Ramosian Rally. And that's, that's why I brought it up in, in that group chat. But like, essentially, it was just like a white one drop aggro deck with like, you know, I'm just leafing through it now. Like that new law reinforcer, benevolent bodyguard, borrowed grace, mana tithe, sacred cat, you know, just like go to jail, you know, just essentially early stuff, kill you kind mm-hmm. of deck. And then I built a black green mid range deck, you know, essentially meat and potatoes mid range deck and jammed a bunch of games with that. And, you know, on the play with the white aggro deck on the play and on the draw. And then a that same one drop white aggro deck versus like a blue red kind of mid rangey deck, both of which had like signets and bounce lands and whatever. And I think I jammed about 30 games. And this is against by myself slash my cat because. Oh, was, was that where those pictures came from? Yeah, yeah, I was like on the couch or on the table with, you know, one of the cats, quote unquote, playing and, you know, just did that. I think I got through about 30 games because I wrote it down on this whiteboard that I'm looking at, like 30 games with white aggro on the play versus green, black and on the draw. And then the one drop white aggro deck versus the blue red deck, 30 games and then 20 on the draw. And then by the time I was the 20 like that's when we started getting more previews and i was just like i was like i need to shift my focus <laughs> just because it's like all oh, right the set's gross and so like that's been on the back burner but like yeah i think i just kind of got a little burnt out from trying to do all that stuff like while still being a working you know while doing that stuff off the clock and then you know working and and whatever it was just like uh so i guess the short version is like i don't have a planeswalker cap nor do i intend to ever that that's it ah yeah there you go that's i i don't know i could soapbox longer but i do you want to hear it do do so, all right, so let's. So is that a yes or no? Me, I couldn't really talk, hear you. Let me, let me talk a little bit, and you can uh, you can chime in here. So um, I can understand how. So we we could probably identify a bunch of planeswalkers that can. There are, I think, a lot of planeswalkers that are above that Mendoza line, which are considered like good enough for cube, right? Like, yeah. There's a bunch of them that you could put in that all 
are, you know, not embarrassing. Like you would like to play with these cards. These cards would be fun to play with. These cards would be good to play with and like have a chance of doing something. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing is instead of maybe limiting yourself as far as, Hey, I'm only going to include X amount of cards per or X amount of planeswalkers per color. Well, you could certainly do that. I think maybe the the bigger issues is is to well why don't you identify what roles you need filled in your archetypes and then plan accordingly. Mhm. Yeah. So, for example, like I think there are some colors that make that take advantage of planeswalkers better than others. You know, like the I I think we we've, we've seen quite a few uh aggressive like fits perfectly in a creature deck white planeswalkers i think we've seen plenty of like good blue control planeswalkers but like all the green ones are like they all kind of they're all like kind of mid-rangey like value engines and i say all not you know not necessarily all but they all kind of do similar things and it's like it's just a matter of how much of these things do you need and then go from there um like for example, I don't, you know, I, I don't think red needs every single Chandra Planeswalker. I think you can get away with one or two of them because there are plenty of other cards that kind of fill the role there, uh, you know, alongside Koth, uh, to to do what it is that you want to do to support your aggressive decks, but also you know give your you know uh, Chandra Torch of Defiance can fit in a number of decks and fill a couple of different roles. So I, I think it should be more about. I role identification and what you need to fill out those archetypes than necessarily a hard number cap on, well, I'm only going to play three planeswalkers per color. Now it's your cube. You can do what you want. Obviously everybody can do what they want. So you can have a planeswalker less cube. Hey, let's, let's make a cube. Let's, let's party like it's 1999 or whatever, right? Like let's not use any planeswalkers at all. Um, but we'll continue to include current cards. Um, you could, I mean, you could do that if you want to, but I, I, I don't think planeswalkers are going anywhere, even though we've just had an overlook of them. And, uh, while they may be scaling back slightly, you know, they've, they've based their magic's marketing has been entirely based on planeswalkers. It was like that since the beginning, you are a planeswalker, right? Like that was mm-hmm. the original marketing thing. And they, they actually made a card type for it and it's. It's what drives their storylines. It's what drives their sales, it's what drives a lot of the advertising, you know, even the, you know, like the artwork, uh, direct, the art direction is driven a lot by the planeswalkers. That, that's what the story is driven by. Uh, and that's what they're finding much like good books or good movies or TV shows. They're, they're giving people characters to identify with whom to identify and, Therefore, creating you know a a, a connection, a, lo- a a different type of brand loyalty, I guess. So, I think just trying to avoid them entirely is you know doing a a, a disservice on on some level. But just identify the roles and what should be filled. Like, do you need to have this many? Like, how many three drop and four drop white planeswalkers do you need? You know what I mean? Like, are you finding yourself just constantly losing to, you know, like Wrath of God? Well, maybe you should play an extra Gideon or two, you know what I mean? To to help avoid the sweepers that you still have ways to present a threat afterwards. You know what I mean? Just that, and that's a very basic example. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So what do you think about all that? Yeah. I, um, you know what I, I do need? I need some, my beverage. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. So what's the, the, what's the, the beverage of the, uh, of the podcast the today? Uh, it is Philippine brand calamansi juice drink. All right. So what is calamansi like the, what, what is it like the name of the, I, fruit? yeah. Yeah, so it's is it the it, name for the flavor. So it 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 like the ingredient says it's calamansi puree. So I guess oh, that's oh, okay. the drink. All right, so, so spell calamansi for for all of us. C A L A M A N S I. Okay, because because th- this is not something that I can't can't yeah. say I've ever ha- come across one before. I haven't either, and it shows a picture that kind of looks like a lemon or a lime, like some kind of citrus thing. Would you like a uh, a, a definition of it, as according to Wikipedia? Yeah, what is it like? Drink you shouldn't drink because it's terrible or something. <laughs> so, calamansi, also known as calamandin or the Philippine lime, oh, economically important citrus hybrid, predominantly cultivated in the Philippines. Native to the Philippines and surrounding areas in southern China, Taiwan, Borneo, and Sulawesi, calamansi is ubiquitous in traditional Filipino cuisine. Wow, nice! And I just I just saw a friend who tweeted Denny about his favorite beverage, ski citrus. Have you ever heard of that? It's like a Southern Illinois thing. What is it called again? It's called ski. You know, like S K I. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's like uh it's like a southern Illinois like lime lemon orange drink. It's very good. I, I, I do not know this drink at all. Oh, it's apparently located in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Oh, huh. that's very close to me. Yeah. Interesting. That's so weird. Yeah, I would guess I, probably I have go, to look like, that up and see if I've seen it before. Yeah, I was about to say, maybe there, if not like maybe northern Georgia you could find it or something. I don't know. Map. Map, let's go. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, this map is... Manufactured by the Double Cola Company. I have never yeah. seen this in my life. It's good. It's very good. There's a local barbecue place that has it on tap. It's great. Says it's distributed in Georgia. Wow. Soda Locator. Let's see where that is. Although the origins of Ski have no known connection to the city of Evansville, Indiana, the product is incredibly popular there. That's so has weird. Become a significant part of the local culture. Huh. That's strange. That hmm. is very strange. I have never it. seen this. Yeah, it's it's very good. And huh. I, I I certainly love myself some like yeah, it looks like in um in your neck of the woods there's several places that I have it looks like. Okay. Like like do they have like names of these places? Uh Ingles. Okay. A bunch of Ingles, Cracker Barrel. Yeah. Cracker Barrel. (laughs) Cracker Barrel. Yeah, it's pretty much all Ingles and Cracker Barrel. Okay. Yeah, I never shop at Ingles, so. Yeah, that's pretty much, that's all of them in in your neck of the woods. Yep. Got it. (laughs) Yeah, but it's good stuff. Okay, so so what about the stuff that you're drinking right now? That's a good question. I crack it open. I'm literally cracking. I got it the at the international store, so. This is literally being opened now. So let's see how this is. The anticipation. It's sweeter than I would think. Okay, compare it. 
Is it like more sweet or less sweet than Sprite? Less. Okay. More it's sweet or less sweet than Seven Up? Mm, I don't know. Maybe the same ish? I don't know. It doesn't taste as like aggressively sweet, even though it's got like the same amount of calories, like as much sugar in there. It's not bad. It's. I'd rather get a ski though. Okay. So, so ski greater than calamansi. I think I would say so. Yeah. It's also not as tart and like, I don't know. In the past few years, I've really been digging citrus, like lemon and lime, just in anything, anything savory. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's not bad. It's not amazing. It's also an excellent source of vitamin C. I probably need to drink this anyway, just because I'm just like, I'm like trailing off. I'm like, uh, are you, uh, are, are you, are you in danger of contracting scurvy? I think so. I, I'm going to get skullduggery. <laughs> yeah. Yar. So, um, after I drink this, I'll, I guess I could soapbox a little bit more about planeswalkers and whatnot, but yeah, give, give us a, uh, give us a, 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 uh, a, a miniature soapbox. Cause you know, okay. The theme so, of our show is called up on a soapbox. Yeah. I mean, that is true. Thank shout outs to David. So I, it's like one of the first like articles about planeswalkers, I think was like Taya Steele wrote it like in the early 2010s. It was like, stop walking over my cube or walking all over my cube. Cause the argument was that planeswalkers are like a fort like up for lack of better terms. I want to say like a force for bad on aggro decks, you know, like they were holding aggro decks down or at the time they were making green decks bad because October there weren't 4th, as, 2010. That, yeah. I was about to say that sounds about right. Yeah. Or at least that sounds about when I thought it was okay. And like, I think the only good green planeswalker at the time was like, OG Garrick. So it was, yeah. So it was like easy to say, like, oh, okay, this is why green is bad because green only has one planeswalker, while white has um, a whole bunch, and blue has. Because I think one of the things she brought up was like, you know, it makes kind of like a disparity or something, like makes the good colors go good or better, and the bad colors bad, and. It always just seemed weird, and I think she tried backpedaling it on her blog about, you know, I just don't like the impact that they have on a game or something. It just seemed like backpedaling, but even then, the initial argument, and I think I've still seen this pop Running up. Every good Planeswalker drastically favors the colors that are already strong in the cube at the expense of others. Now, granted, here in 2019, interaction with Planeswalkers is significantly different than it was, so. Yeah, well, I think it's, I think the issue is there's less things, like, I think she brings up some points is like, it's, you know, you can't interact with planeswalkers as much. Removal I, for planeswalkers is hard to come by. Yeah, and even still, there's not a whole lot of them now. Like, there's a few more things like Prison Realm and, you know, like Vraska's Contempt and Hero's Downfall and whatever, but for the most part, you're attacking the way to kill planeswalkers is with creatures. And so it always just seemed really weird. Like a lot of those arguments that like planeswalkers make aggro bad. Cause I was just like, 
what? That doesn't make sense at all. I think it's just from, I think a lot of that kind of inherent assumption comes from the fact that a lot of planeswalkers, they don't, I think a lot of people in magic tend to use the terms efficient and effective interchangeably, even when that isn't the case. Mm. So for lack of better terms, you can say like, you can say, and a a lot of the times when people say in magic perlance, when they say a card is efficient, a lot of people to them, usually that means I think this card is good. Like, Fatal Push is an efficient creature removal card, which is kind of true, but a lot of people mean that to say, this is good. Okay. Whereas, whereas efficiency, usually, I'm trying to remember the exact term, and I could look it up, but I'm also looking outside my window, and I'm too lazy. But So like efficiency is generally like doing something at an efficient rate, whereas effective means how effective something is. So like mm-hmm. Fatal Push is an efficient removal spell, but it's not that effective. Well, it's certainly right. not that effective on things that cost five or greater. Well, yeah, yeah, it just does nothing on those. You can target them, but this still won't do anything. But you could say it's a it's a inefficient it's a efficient creature removal effect, but it's just not effective. And like Vraska's contempt is a very effective one, but it's not that efficient. A lot of planeswalkers historically, I think even at the time the article is written, and even now, a lot of them kind of, if you're going on a, on kind of like a, like a, trying to think of like a spectrum, like if you have aggressive cards on like the very left and like control cards on the very right. So you'd have like a Johnny Collar of the Pride on one end of the spectrum and Ugin the Spirit Dragon on the other, or just like, Mm-hmm. whichever iteration of Nicol Bolas, like sure. God Pharaoh or whatever. God Pharaoh, yeah. Yeah, and there's not a whole lot that are on the left. Like, you know, that are on the aggro side of the spectrum. A lot of them tend to be the kind of more either universally playable ones like Elspeth, Knight Errant, or Gideon, Allies of Zendikar. Or, you know, kind of like the universal to control part of that spectrum. So, it's that assumption where it's just like those cards work in those kind of decks where it kind of falls apart. The assumption that they make aggressive decks bad, which even then I doesn't really make a whole lot of sense anyway, is it mainly just comes and it sounds so reductive too. I just don't mean to say like make your aggressive decks better, but make your aggressive decks better. (laughs) Well, so, well, and I think too, that maybe, um, while it may be making the control decks quote better, um, it definitely makes them a a larger amount better against opposing control decks on the board than it does against creature decks. Just because one of the weaknesses, like I said, one of the, as you mentioned earlier, one of the primary ways to deal with planeswalkers is to attack them. Yeah. That's a, that's a use of resources that are already present. It's not spending additional resources. It just slows down. So the, the impact of a, of the, the average planeswalker, the everyman planeswalker um, against an, an aggressive deck is, is likely lower 
than the impact of an average planeswalker on the board against another control deck. If if constructed magic has taught us to taught us anything, it's that you know having a planeswalker having a planeswalker advantage in a control mirror is just backbreaking. Yeah, yeah, because essentially, it's. I mean, it kind of goes to like the idea of the planeswalkers themselves as being essentially players. That... Right, you just literally have more people on your team. Yeah, like you're playing two HG and they're playing, or like one point three HG, and they're just mm-hmm. playing by themselves. You know, yeah, they're just like, uh, and and you know, it's just also, I, it's something that really can't be quantified either. But it's just like the feeling of helplessness, like when you're just dying to a planeswalker and you can't really do anything about it. Like, especially like, for example, Jace the Mind Sculptor. You know, you're on an empty board, and right, your you're getting just, face sealed every turn, and they're just and like. They're, I'll let cards. Yes, like I'll let you keep that one. It's like great. Yeah, awesome. I'm gonna give the thumbs up, not the soda kind. (laughs) It's just like seems great. That's like cool. So I I think it's just that kind of stuff which kind of goes along those kind of weird kind of arguments that I've heard over time, where it's just like say I think generally planeswalkers are also very good at dealing with individual threats. Like the old trope that and it, it, it's actually mostly true. It has exceptions, but like the trope where planeswalkers have to defend themselves to be good. Right. Well, that 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 definitely counts, you know, in their favor if they have the ability to impact the board. Yeah, or at least like to defend themselves. Like if they right. could stop neutralize some kind of creature or right. some make kind a of make threat. a blocker, kill a creature, yeah. make it not do damage or whatever. And like those are the kinds of board states where planeswalkers are really good but not against aggressive decks it's more like mid-range and i don't know if that's also part of the misconception too when people have these kinds of decks where you know they think one drops are bad versus in aggro decks so they're playing on three let's well let's think about it right so how many how many uh planeswalkers go wide in their answers to things are there any uh they're like deal one to this or deal X to this one creature, or deal something to this one creature, or shut down this one creature. But so, if, I, if I have five tokens on the board... So the ones that do, they are, but they're pretty much six mana. Like, yeah, like but, OG Ugin, six mana Chandra, six mana Liliana, six mana Elspeth. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, if you're trying to do it for four mana, good luck. And, and that's really on the high end too. I mean, we're yeah. talking six and seven all day. Let's six, seven, eight. Mm-hmm. That, that that should be the you know you as as a aggressive deck, you should be a little more safe at that point, or at least have the game closer to in hand. Yeah. When that if the, the, your ability to go a little wider helps. Now, of course, they're going to be running removal. But you know that planeswalker takes up a spot in their deck, the same way you know your cards take a spot up in your deck. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and a lot of just... also even better reason to make sure you're supporting your aggressive decks, people. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's, I think that might be part of the thing too. Is just like planeswalkers are good at neutralizing big or like single threats, but they're not that good at board like wide board states, like, mm-hmm. uh, like you know, getting into the trials. 
you know, neutralizes one thing or right. anything else. But yeah, just or like a lot Jace of things. Bounces a, Jace the Mind Sculptor bounces a creature. A yeah. Johnny Lightning Helixes one creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four drop, one of the four, you know, four drop uh, Torture Defiance does damage to one creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At and the I cost think, of almost killing herself. And it's kind of weird, too, because kind of counterintuitively, and I can't really take a lot of credit. I'm not in the Carlos Mencia business of taking credit for others, but like on Discord, there's this uh, Cube Discord that I've been pretty active in lately. Like they've been talking a lot about utilizing planeswalkers for kind of shoring up mid range. Like for Nike, I'm trying to think of. I'm sure you've you know this. Like you remember Arthur Dent in Hitchhiker's Guide, of course. So like. I think that's something where people tend to have the kind of like Celestia or Golgari decks be kind of like the Arthur Dent in their cube, where it's just kind of like this everyman that doesn't do anything particularly well. It just kind of mm. does its thing. You know, it's like the first time you cube draft, you draft like a Celestia deck, and then you get crushed because it's just like, well, this deck was terrible. I mean, that happened to me. That's, you know, I drafted a pretty a Slesnia deck that I thought was fine. And then I got crushed. And I think what kind of goes to that problem, I think, I think on Sully Singleton, they talked about like the Naya problem, but I think it's more just like the Arthur Dent problem where it's like these mid range decks don't really have any good way to maybe not any good way. They kind of like play into the, the plans of like a control deck. There was like a video that I watched recently about, and of course now we're branching into other stuff because that's what we do. Like, um, yeah, there was a video um, on TCG player where they talked about like the best standard environments of all time. And one of them was, I think John Corpora talked about his favorite was um, Exodus era standard. Oh God. Yeah. Where it was like, you know, he said like, um, I think his criteria was what archetypes were playable or you know, truly playable. What cards were like truly playable was like a wide range or was it like a format where very few cards mattered? Cough, cough, Rishadon port, cough, cough, Lin uh-huh. you know, like a, formats like that, which were terrible. But like in Exodus, he talked about, you know, he talked about, you know, like the white weenie decks and like Sly and Rexer and Prosbloom. Right, survival, but, right. Yeah, and he talked about he talked about the uh, the Eric Lauer CMU blue deck, right? Which for you kids playing along, it was a mono blue deck whose only win conditions were Rainbow Afrit, which is three and a blue for a three one. You pay double blue to phase it out, so you can't really kill it. Can't and, kill it ever if you have mana available. Yeah, and then Stalking Stones, which was. A land that tapped for six mana activated and permanently becomes a three three. Yeah, yeah, and it played a bunch of lands. So he had a good point, which I hadn't really thought of. Is a lot of decks. He said it probably wouldn't be as good nowadays, but back then people didn't know how to play against a deck like that, so they just played into the plan. Where it's just like, I'll play this on two. I'll counter it. Okay. Turn three. I'll play this. I'll counter it. Okay. And you're just playing into that plan where they're just kind of like plodding along and doing nothing and then just losing. Whereas people nowadays would know like 
I need to do this to tax their end of turn mana or right. Wait until, you know, your upkeep or the end of your turn, try to do these things. So that way we can re- resolve the spell when we untap. Yeah. Or you know, essentially, yeah, to stress their mana rather than just have, letting them have full right. mana. Letting them untap and just one for one you every single turn. Yeah. And then like, oh, I'll cast Whispers of the Muse with buyback. You know, just with like buyback. Play, yeah. You know? We're just essentially playing into their plan. And by using like planeswalkers kind of like the like the um or like more resilient green threats it plays into plays against those plans very well where cube has a lot of efficient removal or like you know doom blades and swords to plowshares and whatever because that ends up being the problem for a lot of those arthur dent decks where it's just like i'll play this thing i'll play this baneslayer kind of creature on turn five and it's like that's fine that's cute i'll doom blade it and then untap play consecrated sphinx and it's like cool i i guess i lose or you know i'll just like do these things that don't really play efficiently and then in a weird way that kind of exacerbates the problems in their own cubes where they're if they're limiting planeswalkers or it's like okay i can't play I can only play two white planeswalkers, let's say for the sake of argument, like is Gideon of the trials. A, a, does that play the same role as a Johnny Goldmane or a Johnny tyrant adversary of tyrants or Elspeth sons champion. Like they just play totally different roles. And, and that might be that white, the white ones are just that different, but yeah, even like cough, like cough of the hammer and, six mana Chandra like they're totally opposite in terms of like the decks that want them oh yeah it's just like it treats planeswalkers as this kind of weird monolithic entity when that isn't really how they are even though a lot of them do tend to play on that axis of and that's why I brought up the point earlier they're not really efficient planeswalkers as good as the good ones are they're not efficient they're just very effective. Five mana, draw a card, not so great. No. Or like, you know, three mana, unsummon or whatever. That's not that's not efficient. But over time, you know, the reason to play those cards in the first place is that over time, they'll effectively answer your game plan or just like effectively go with the, you know, what your deck is trying to do. And it just it's just rather strange. A lot of those arguments that I've heard over the years, over the near decade of a lot of those arguments where it just doesn't really hold water. And like, even the argument that like aggressive, you know, aggressive decks are hampered by war of the spark. Or, I mean, aggressive decks are hampered by planeswalkers. Like, you know, I've been tracking three O's in my cube for like f- three, four, like, 2004 so it's like five years now and i haven't really seen that be a problem and even with the increased density of planeswalkers from war of the spark from testing them out like the meta really wasn't adversely impacted by it because i don't skimp on making aggressive decks good (laughs) right here are the tools that you need to succeed Mm-hmm. So you can actually do that. Yeah. And it just seems like so weird. It's like if my opponent's plan is just like, 
all right, here's this red black aggro deck. I'm going to kill you as soon as possible. And their plan is here's my Elspeth. Cool. I don't care. I'm just going right. to kill you. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I will continue to function on my game plan. And if that is going to significantly hamper me, sure, we'll change our game plan a little bit. But yeah. And even still, like what I, you know, the thing you were talking about earlier with uh, planeswalkers and you know, combating Wrath of Gods is that they help those decks as well by giving them stickier threats that don't right. just die to Wrath. Right. It's just like nice Thrun. It's like, okay, here's my Garrick Relentless or something. And I don't even think running a lot of Planeswalkers requires like ha- like uh, I'm trying to think of the word here, but like stooping so low as to play something that isn't good. Like I don't know. Chandra and Alar. I don't think she's really cutting the mustard nowadays, but like, A, I don't think that Chandra, Nalar, or Liliana Vess are necessarily OP or that they're contributing to a bad environment. But I also think that it's a thing, it's just balance. I think it's just another thing to have to balance your cube. Yep. It's just another means to an end. It's just like you can't interact with planeswalkers that easily. It's like, okay, you can't interact with enchantments either. Like is Right. Enchantments, as it turns out, are actually even more difficult to interact with. Yeah, it's I don't know. It just seems rather silly. And I I feel a part it's it's just a lot of like weird stuff with just like this this feels weird, like playing against planeswalkers and if my opponent is playing two walkers and they have them on board and I can't beat them, it's just like, okay. Like, I don't... Well, and I, I think you can track the game states too, right? So if you're finding that, you know, you talk to your players after the draft, it's like if if every single board state is winding up as in, like, planeswalker battles, maybe you have an issue, unless, of course, it's fun. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> if that's fun, then, like... Great. I mean, that's, even that's a good place to be, you know. Even if even if that's the case, and maybe it's just because I'm like jaded and whatever. But even if it's that way, as long as it's a condu- as long as it's conducive to a healthy meta, that's fine. Like if it's a state where it's just like people are playing planeswalkers, but it's one where deck winning is kind of evenly spread or you know it's it's a balanced meta at the end of the day that's mm. that's fine and i right. guess another thing i was gonna bring up also which i'm kind of surprised i didn't was like the argument of just like you can add more pithing needles or or more hex vampire hex mages like it, it's more of a micro issue or it's like a it's a it's a micro fix to a macro problem right micro solution yeah like if planeswalkers are taking over your cube like that'll help in those individual games, but that's not helping your overall meta. And nobody is really going to, if they're drafting the Super Friends deck because it's the best deck in the meta, nobody's going to be like, oh man, I, I'd i better watch out for that. I, I shouldn't draft this deck because there's a Vampire Hex Mage or a Pithing Needle. They'll, right. they'll deal with it. They'll be like, okay, I'll counter it or right. I'll how deal many, with it. How many... How many pithing needles you got there? Yeah. Or, you know, essentially, like, it's not going to, like, make people not do it. It's just like, okay, I'll just, I'll deal with it. It's like, okay, sure. 
And if they lose because of it, that's fine. But it's not going to make somebody go, oh man, I can't draft that deck now. Because if the meta dictates that it's the best deck, it's the meta's dictating it. It's not going to be, oh, Pithing Needle's going to solve it on its, no, on its own or something. Nope. So yeah, there's my soapbox. <laughs> Thank Shoutouts to Kalamansi for powering that soapbox. God. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we could dovetail that into Gideon, but there's a good card before it so i don't know what you want to do well i mean we can we can circle we can circle back to gideon don't worry we'll get to gideon blackblade okay i didn't i didn't know if you wanted to just jump right into it or if you wanted to do well you know let's let's go ahead since since gideon's kind of right towards the front yeah um, let's uh let's let's just let's talk about gideon because he specifically hits on some of the points that we talked about um and then we'll circle back and, and and pick up the other card nice I like this. So Gideon Blackblade, uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll read these cards just so you guys know what they do in case you don't remember, uh, is uh, one white white for a four loyalty legendary planeswalker. As long as it's your turn, he is a four, four human soldier with indestructible. That's still a planeswalker and prevent all damage that would be dealt to him during your turn. Plus one, up to one other target creature you control gains your choice of Vigilance, Lifelink, or Indestructible. And then Neg Six is Exile Target, Non-Land Permanent. Yeah. This card's good. It's really good. Like, I've been very... This card, Gideon, is going to, even though it's a, quote, lazy swap, this card's probably going to kick Gideon in the Trials out of my cube. Just find something else to cut. Gideon in the Trials is great. Like Just, I like Gideon the Trials a lot too. Yeah. But now there's another set coming out with a good with some good three draw. Uh, yeah. And I think that's another thing I, I meant to point out too is like in the in the previous soapbox is like you don't really necessarily have to swap planeswalkers or something. It's just like especially since Gideon Blackblade is a lot more of a creature than a planeswalker. Yes. Where he's like and I think that's kind of like when it was first um, previewed, and I don't know because it's been a few weeks, so you know people have been trying out cards more, but it seemed like people were lukewarm on it, and I think part of that is because it doesn't it doesn't quite jive with the expectations people have with walkers because like I'm trying to think of how many planes walkers there have been in magic. I want to say at least like hundred thirty. Uh, don't know that number off the top of my head, but I I will access the Google Mobile. Yay, that works. This says this is a complete list, but it doesn't actually say how many. Oh, good job. They they failed yeah, the because this, this is because this is not accurate. This does not this does not go far enough. This website is not updated. Oh, uh, I mean, you can always go gather like yeah, gather and search by type. Yeah, or like combodeck.net or whatever. Shout out to combodeck.net, by the way. Not many, not enough people use that page. It's great. So I can search Planeswalker if I can type. Card type. Yeah, not uh, not Bolivar, whatever. 184. Okay. Well, this says 179 uh, on Gatherer. Uh, this has, uh, I think it has at least Sarah. Yeah, it has at least Sarah. Anyway, almost 200. Yeah, almost 200. But even still, like, 
you know, we have like the vanillas test for creatures. You know, if you see a creature that costs two and a red, you have some expectations for what it's going to be on a creature. You know, just like two and a two and a red, like for a two two with an ability that that feels about right. You know, that's okay. like okay, that that passes the vanilla test. You're you know, that's that's about right. You know, if it was a two and a red for a five five, you're like, whoa, what? Where's the drawback on this thing? Right, like but the with like, way above. Yeah, and with like planeswalkers, there's there's not really that same level because you know we've had two and a red creatures for twenty five plus years, but and you know we've had them in nearly every set. You know, there's been like goblin hero, which is two and red. Gray ogre, yeah, gray ogre, yeah, that's the OG. Um, that was a joke I was kind of going for. Uh, yeah, the, the OG yeah. parentheses re. Yeah. Oh wow. Wow. That was not what I was going for, but that's that's a good one. <laughs> that's that's what I heard it as. Oh, I was just saying like Goblin Hero because it was like it was pretty much the same as, as Grey Ogre. Goblin Hero. Yeah. <laughs> or like um, I'm trying to think of some other ones, but you know we've we've had so many of these data points over time where it's just like here's this is about what that looks like with Planeswalkers like a one and a two, you tell somebody, all right, here's a three mana white planeswalker. You tell, okay, this is what it's going to be. But what is it? There's not really like a kind of a, an expectation in your mind. And even if it is, it's just based on very few data points. It's like, well, I guess it could be like getting into the trials or black blade or, uh, a Johnny collar the pride. But even then it's just like, so what's kind of like the composite average. It's not like there's a two, two in there or something. It's not like okay, right. so it's base power and toughness is three, two. It's just like, no, there's all these cards that don't really jive or whatever. So with, well, Gideon, they don't get it. They're, they don't fall along the, necessarily the same axis to be compared. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's not really that same kind of like mold that you can directly compare it to. It's right. just like, these are all different kinds of apples. Yeah. Well, Here's the, yes, they're they're more like they're all fruit, while they're all not apples. Yeah, yeah, like the calamansi fruit. You know, it's like it tastes yeah. like a lime. Like so, okay, Gideon Calamansi. Yeah, he's so. I guess if Gideon the Trials is a lime, Gideon Black Blades like calamansi beverage. <laughs> I guess that's that's a pretty that's pretty right on because <laughs> it's like I think. Part of it too is, is like he's always a creature, so he's a four four. He can't block. Oh no! But I think when I saw it first, I think a lot of people were just like, "This plus one ability sucks." Which, if he wasn't a creature, that would apply. But he's a creature, so <laughs> it's so it's in addition to him being a four four. It's just like okay, so he's a four four, and he helps a buddy get slightly stronger which is weird too because like every one of those abilities came up when i was trying it out even like vigilance well yeah in in fact well the fact that the, you can play them and have an immediate board impact because it does do something to one of your other creatures mm-hmm. in fact him giving vigilance let my mother of runes attack nice and well, let's think- uh, let let's you um, the the three one for two that becomes like a four four when it attacks. Oh right, 
Yeah, nice. Yeah, glorybound initiate or whatever. Glorybound initiate. Right. Yeah. So it's just like you have vigilance, my good sir. All right, I'm gonna exert. Hub I am. I think she's a madam, but did I get your oh, point? What whatever. Yeah. yeah sir. Good. Did I say sir? Yeah, you did. It's Women okay. Women can be knights. Hello. I think she's a, a warrior. I don't know. Why am I getting these semantics? But they can but it, it, it can be sir, right? Sir, you know, is a, a knight honorific, even if it's a warrior. I think I don't it was on Almond Kit, so I don't think they got they got knights there. No, but you know what? Chicken <laughs> Chicken what? I love pulling that on people. It's just like you know, just like in this completely serious sounds like chicken butt. Guess what, chicken butt? Yep. But do, yeah, do, do you run the follow ups of guess why? Oh no, they're usually just Oh yeah, no, guess 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 why? Yeah, chicken, chicken What's it after that though? Guess who? Chicken poo? Frank Purdue. Who? So Frank, Frank Purdue, Purdue and, Oh Purdue Chicken. It was yeah, it was like Purdue Frank Purdue was a chicken farmer, like spokesperson for you know, Purdue Chicken is this big thing, and he was on all their commercials. Oh skinny okay. Guy, skinny old white guy, Frank Purdue. That oh, was okay. the, the regional version since we had Frank Purdue in Philly growing up. We uh, Oh okay. It was guess who Frank Purdue. Nice. Then when the Animaniacs came out, it could be Chicken Boo. Yeah, I remember Chicken I remember Animaniacs. You're not you're not a man. You're a chicken boo. You're a chicken boo. Yep. What my yeah. easily my least favorite part of that show. Yeah, it was hated it. It was kind of one notey. Uh, yeah, it's kind yeah. of like the, it was yeah, kind but, of like but chicken, uh, uh, chicken in the brain. Pinky in the brain was also one notey, but they changed it a lot, and it was actually funny. Yeah, like there was depth to that part. Like I think the whole punchline was just like, "Lol, this guy's a chicken, but he's doing stuff." And oh, what? Oh my god, he's a chicken. You know, just like that was the entire thing. Where like Pinky in the brain was just like, "Okay, well, this one, this one's an idiot, and this one's smart," but there was a lot of room to go with it and they used right. it. I mean, one, one, one was a genius and the other's insane. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't say that rather than just saying one. I don't idiot. know why you didn't say that either, but I told you my brain is just <laughs> tired. I don't know. <laughs> Kalamansi apparently can't do that. So I don't know. Like I really liked Gideon Blackblade. Like it, it's been quite good in like all the white, in like the aggressive decks like the mid-range decks haven't really been playing it because they don't really want a pile of stats they want something to do with those you know mm-hmm. but even the ultimate and i think that's another like subconscious strike people had against it was like this ultimate sucks it's it does. not really i mean so here's the thing though it it's not even necessarily ultimate i i don't really even look at this necessarily as an ultimate i look at it as more of a at some point, you're going to incidentally get yourself a vindicate. Yeah, just break in case of emergency. Like because let's be honest, because because here's the thing: he can attack and uses a plus one every turn. So that's right. something that the other Gideons can't do. Because the Gideon, other Gideons, one of the abilities is to turn into you know the yeah, uh, turn a creature. Four, four. Where this and, one is just like, oh no, me and my boy are gonna like come in. Yeah, the boys are back in town. And so, you know, we're, we're going to, we have some business to deliver. And so at some point, unless he's getting attacked, unless they are managing him in in a way that's going to remove, uh, 
you know, going to remove loyalty counters. At some point, your your answer, if it's a, your permanent type answer, if it doesn't remove him, if it's a blocker, if it's a, a, a you know, whatever it might be, is going to get defrauded because you're just going to go, okay, well, just get rid of it. Yeah. And if like what usually happened too is you would usually get it to seven and then get whatever annoying thing out of the way and just keep attacking too. It's like, okay, I'll exile this thing and then just keep attacking. Right. And I think like, that's okay, well, whatever. And that was usually a thing with the Gideons too, is even, even the, even when Kithian flipped was it would usually do his thing. And then usually it would turn to creature when it's like closing time. It's just like, all right, the bar is closed. It's uh I'm trying to think when bars close. One o'clock? Uh, uh, one o'clock, two o'clock. Yeah, I was going to say one or two or three or something. I, 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 by the way, I'm not singing the closing time song, just so Good. you know. I was about to say, I don't, I don't I'm too... I'm, uh, yeah, exactly. But yeah, it was just like, once it's closed, it's like, all right, it's 12.55. All right, let's turn Gideon into a dude. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's get out of here and just keep attack, attack, attack. But it usually wouldn't happen until like you turn the corner. Just like, okay, here we go, and we're attacking. Whereas this one, just like, I'm attacking, and then it's just the other abilities are are there with it. Like, he's he's very one-dimensional, but he's just been really good at that one dimension. Yep. This card's great. Yep. That's t- TLDR. Yeah. TLDL yeah, just, didn't listen. Probably. That, that's TLDL. That's that's our podcast, TLDL. TLDL. <laughs> what are these guys talking about? Pinky the brain. Why right. We've we we we've associated uh, fruits and pinky and the brain with Gideon Blackblade. So there you go. Nice. There we All go. right. So let's let's go ahead and double back for the other card you wanted to talk about. A finale of before we go on. Finale of Glory? Sure. I mean, I was, these titles are just like finale of whatever, like, I guess that, that fits finale of glory. Sure. But yeah, I've liked this one. So it's X white, white sorcery, create two, or sorry, create X two, two white soldier creature tokens with vigilance. If X is 10 or more, you win the game. AKA right. <laughs> if X is 10 or more. I hope your opponent has the sweeper or else they're really. Yeah. Also, if X is ten or more, you win the game. Yeah, you just you just win the game. X four four white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance. So you just make a bunch of Sarah angels, whatever. Here, right? You're just like, well, here's these ten soldiers, and they all have a guard. So, so would you like to guess how many times that happened in the time that I've that I tried? And this is like, so we usually do like weekly cube drafts, and then we try to do like a marathon once like a month you know, where we get like three cube drafts in. So I, I think I got like seven cube drafts in with, with the uh, finale. Okay. Uh, and I think this was in with the whole time. Guess how many times is ultimated? <sighs> let, let, let me, is it a non zero number? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a zero. <laughs> Yeah, it never happened. <laughs> this card scales pr- very well. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's uh, 
Yeah, I've really like I think it's and I feel like that's kind of like one of the the traps people can fall into at times is they can look at an X card and be like, "Okay, this is this 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 does this at 1 and this at 2 and, you know, they just look at it like on that basis." And it kind of doesn't look at the overall package. Well, make, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It, well, uh, you know, and like I said, but the scaling part is like, uh, you know, granted, you're not going to in index to play this. You're not necessarily going to be playing a land drop every single turn. If you are, you might be in trouble. But if you are, if you are getting, you know, hitting a, a lot of land drops, like it, it scales to deal with what stage of the game that you're dealing with. Like, mm-hmm. uh, a you know if it's turn eight, casting this for x equals one isn't going to cut it. However, casting this for six is going to have a bigger impact on what should be a more challenging opponent's board. So it, it does scale particularly well to where you are in the game state. Where you know obviously the 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 worst is you know. Uh, a, a white gray ogre, right? With vigilance. That's harder to cast. But even yeah. beyond that, you know, th- this is, and, and never mind the fact that it, that it hits a number of uh, archetypical archetype, you know, support things as well. So. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that's something, and I think it kind of happened with like hydroid crisis where it was just like, well, this looks bad. If you cast it for one, or if you cast it as just a two, two, this is really bad. But I'm sure at least from at least playing standard or looking at standard, sometimes that's the right call. It's just like, I just need to cycle. Right, just I just need to make do. A dude. Yeah, I just need to cast this for whatever. And that's never really a talking point for the card. It's the same thing with like Sphinx's Revelation, you know, when that was a deck in standard. Sometimes well, you just need to do it. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, no, no, go ahead. I, you're, you're absolutely right. Well, the other thing I was thinking too is something like when the Delve cards first came out. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, you. This card's only good if you delve, you know, four, like four cards. cards. Like, no, it's it, it's it's good whenever when you need it. It's just busto if it only costs one mana, you know, like or mm-hmm. or two mana or three mana, like even all of them above the above the curve for what the power level of this card is. So it's a, it, I think it's a related sort of metric. Yeah. Of, you know, you cast it for what you you can cast it for, you know, when you need it. Yeah, and I think a lot of, like, historically a lot of X cards just haven't been efficient enough for cube because, you know, they don't get a good enough damage rate. You know, there hasn't really been a good, you know, XR damage dealer. Like, the best one has been, like, like Devil's Play, and that's fine. But it's just, it's a case where it's effective at killing something, but it's just not a very efficient card. And like, you know, like with Sphinx's Revelation when that was in standard, sometimes you just needed to do it for one. And like for those kind of cards, understandably, it's a little biased with those because you can like draw into another Revelation or you can draw into another Hydroid Crassus. But with something like this, yeah, sometimes you're never you're never putting Finale of Glory into your deck thinking, I can cast this as a gray ogre with vigilance but you know sometimes that's what you got to do and 
Yeah, like I have this spot on my curve. I didn't have – I flooded out and I have like both of my four drops in hand and I don't have something to cast this turn on turn three. So yeah. like I need to keep pressure on. So yeah, I'm going to cast it. Like yeah. if this is what I need to do, if this is my – if I determine that this is my avenue to win this game is by continuing to lay pressure and attack. Now, if you know you determine at that point that, hey, this 2-2 is not going to do us any good now, it's better looking at the rest of my hand. This card is going to be better on – give me a better chance to win on turn six when I cast it for three or four, then you make that determination. Like, you know, we've, we've joked around before, you know, it doesn't, that that's one of the skills of, of, of magic is, you know, we talked about before, like, Hey, uh, playing this card doesn't make you play bad magic. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you I think that's determined when, you know, when you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, I think for the most part, it's kind of base rate is kind of three and double red. You know, I mean, not three double red, three double white to make <laughs> six <laughs> power of creature. And that's fine. Like, it's like, that's where kind of the starting line is. And then after that, it's just like, you know, just the, the ceiling just gets a whole lot better. Well, sure. And then, and like I said, then you have, you know, you have some other things going. Like, if you have any sort of token support, if you have things that interact with when creatures come into play, if you have anthems, if you have, you know, you know, there's all kinds of additional positive interactions. So, big shocker, two mythics, two of them pretty good. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. guess what the next card we should talk about is? Guess what rarity? Uh, mythic? Oh, first. First, I want to I get your thoughts on this card that just got previewed. Oh. We're going to do it live. Oh, oh. I mean, we can cut this out in post if you don't want to do it. That's no, 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 no. I, uh, wait, See, where, where am I looking at it? Where are you sending it to me? Well, I'll just read it to you. It's on it's on uh, Reddit right now. If you sort it by new cards, but the so the red force got previewed. Oh, okay. So it's uh, one and double red instant. The force clause. If it's not your turn, you may exile. Blah sure, blah, sure. blah blah blah. A red card. Yeah. Create two, three one. Red elemental creature tokens with trample and haste. Sacrifice those tokens at the beginning of your next upkeep. <laughs> um, I have no idea what to think of this thing. Okay, so wait, sacrifice them when? At the beginning of your next upkeep. So yeah, you oh, can't that's cast stupid. Yeah, you do it at the end of turn. Untap with them. Yeah. So yeah, you can't. Pull the the waylay. Come on, right. man. Yeah. What? <sighs> yeah. All the other ball lightnings and then ball blightnings and skeletal skeletals and everything is sacrificed at the end of turn. They yep. specifically did that so you can't just like dome somebody for eight on turn one with goblin guide. Yeah. When you're on the draw. Yeah. <laughs> can't can't get can't get white lightning like waylay. God. Yep, I guess you can ambush like, some creatures with it. But to be fair, like, I mean, six damage for three is right where ball lightning is, right? Like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. If you attack with them, but I find I it interesting. Like, how how often are we playing defense with these things to cast it for free? Yeah, defense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll attack you for lethal. Nope, here's some. Bzz. Elemental. Bzz. Yeah. 
get buzz, son. <laughs> Ooh, maybe if you have uh, uh, you're like, oh, and take four. Yep. Block both of your things, sucker. Yup. Yeah, that was. And they're uh, like, "All right, I'll I'll violin this stupid idiot that shoots all the same creature for one damage. Kill your tokens." God. Yup. Ah. Uh, uh, <laughs> to be fair, it's probably Busto if the if you if you get to cast it end the turn and attack with them. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty I, gross. I, yeah, I'm not sure what to think about it other than it's not what I want it to be, but I'm sure they tested that, and that's probably way too good. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't. Like, all the other forces kind of make sense to me, like why you would want to cast them on your opponent's turn. This one makes the least amount of sense. Yeah. Red wants to ambush Viper. <laughs> right, double oh, ambush Viper. Yeah. Like Ooh, what? Maybe when they attack with their jackal pup, or their uh, sta- uh, the the, uh, the other one that pumps, yeah, fire drinker Seder, you can double block it, and they can take six anyway. See, that's why white one. That's why one drops are bad in aggro because they can just play this for free, and then they, I, they take. I, I, right, it's just free, and and yeah. you took six. How do you that's, feel about that? That's terrible. These the white the one drops are terrible. Oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Oh, this card could have been so bonkers, and it's just not. It could have been a contender. I thought it was going to do damage, but no, it does this. Right. I thought it was going to be a fire blast variation. Yeah, me too. Something like that. I literally thought it was going to be like fire blast that you get to cast for free on your opponent's turn by exile. And I yeah. thought they were, you know, force of blast. <laughs> I don't know. Force of. <laughs> I mean, force I of flame. I don't know. Force of flame. That sounds okay. That that seems legit. <laughs> yep. yep. Why are the <laughs> red sucks? Why does red always have to do the same thing? I wish we could come up with something else for red to do reliably and I mean, have it be, be good. To be fair, the, the thing we suggested is literally what red does. <laughs> oh god, it's so busto. <laughs> but at least it does it well, right? Yeah, exactly. It just deals damage. <laughs> like, look, if you're gonna do your thing, at least do it well. Yeah, I would think these would be four ones or something, but oh god, know. four! Oh god, that would be too good too. I think probably eight damage for three, two. Then not oh, oh, yeah, that'd be nifty. Yeah, they'd have to make it cost like one red, red, red. Oh yeah, in order yeah. for it to be four ones. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that would that would not happen. Or, 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 you know, or maybe it could have been like Dictate of Karametra or whatever the the double damage one is. Dictate oh. of Perforos or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. The, yeah. Dictate, I think, twin, of the Twin Gods? Of the Twin Gods. That's what it is. Yeah. Because, dude, that card, I, I, I played that card in sideboards of uh, in Standard. That card was, had its uses, man. Mm hmm. But like something like that. But even then, like, why are you casting it on your opponent's turn so you can block their creatures and they take double damage? I, I guess it's probably just so. So you can don't bolt see them it. end the turns. So you can cast this for free and like bolt you six, fire blast you eight. 
Suck it. Yeah. yeah, that sounds right. Uh, that seems legit. Uh, uh, yep. Uh, yep. That's uh, that's uh, our new set. Disappointed in that one. So what, do th- what do you think of this? Uh, the card we were going to get to before I sidelined everything. <laughs> God Eternal Oketra. Three white white for a three six double strike legendary creature zombie god. Whenever you cast a creature spell, create a four four black zombie warrior creature token with vigilance. And then it has the uh, when it dies or is put into exile, you may put it third from the top of the owner's library. So it has its you know indestructibility clause god god yeah, clause yeah. for this. Tuck it under the top three or whatever. <laughs> Okay, so let me preface this by saying I haven't played this card yet. This card's really, really good, right? Like, uh, I mean, so I like tried. I tried it out. It's, I think it's just competition mainly, but like it's, for six and constant. It's not even like it does the whole like make it to you know. It's not. It doesn't have the army mechanic. It keeps making four fours. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, like, all your idiot one-drops that you, all your terrible and aggro one-drops that you draw after you play this actually just have, like, plus four, plus four. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like, they, it makes a whole bunch of dudes. That's an interesting mechanic, too. Card seems really good to me. Of course, you know, you're competing with a bunch of, you know, five-drop angels. Yeah, and, like, I'm trying to think of, like, other big Muldrifter kind of creatures. I've kind of like fallen less in love with the Baneslayers just because it's such a, like a tempo loss if they die. But, and this kind of is one of those Baneslayer kind of creatures. It has, it has like some insurance if it dies or, you know, if you kill it, cause like, you know, some, I think on average it usually made or when it made creatures, it usually made like a creature, if not two, usually one. Yeah, I don't know. It was okay. It wasn't bad, but I like I pulled one from the free release and I ended up just selling it. I was like, eh, I got a use for this thing. Um, this card strikes up. me as as being very good, while while not evasive. I feel like this is th- this just seems like a a mid range killer against mid range decks, like. I also feel like this is probably very good against the control decks as well because of its, no matter what you do to it, it just comes back in two turns, you know, three turns. In addition to just making extra creatures. Yeah, I'm but, trying to think of how often the creature coming back thing was relevant. I think, usually, I think it usually didn't that often, surprisingly. Like, unless... The deck had access to strong, like library manipulation. Yeah, like a, a a top puts it on top of your deck every time. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. It was like it wasn't bad, but it was another one of those kind of creatures, like another another in the line of Bane Slayer kind of creatures. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was okay. Bane Slayer is pretty good. It's while well, while well, not interesting necessarily, 
Oh yeah, I don't really care if a creature's interesting or not. It's, it's all it's all pretty good. So, all right, what do you want to talk about next? Do, do you want to talk about Lawrun? Yeah, I've I've been really impressed by these creatures. Again, this shout outs to this card's very good, by the way. Yeah, I've I've been trying them out in like all of my cubes. You know, just like at first, I kind of pigeonhole them as just like popper creatures, like the. Uh, Blockkeeper and Gold Meadow Harrier, mm-hmm. but that guy Sir Funch a lot who I've been talking to has been trying it in his you know more higher powered cubes, and I was like, all right, I'll give these a try, and they're just really good at you know not just they like they're not the greatest attackers of course because they only have one power, sure. but the way that they take over a board state is really good in creature matchups, like. I always wanted Icy Manipulator to be a really good cube card, but it turns out this is probably the best way to do it. And this I've liked better. And I talked in the article, I said, if you haven't tried out either of those creatures, try this and you'll be surprised. And then, you know, it's a good introductory. It's a good introductory course. It's <laughs> like, a, I'm trying to think of an introductory course, but I don't know, salad or like, oh, the Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Yeah. Oh, see here when you said introductory course, I thought you were going to be Bio One Hundred and One. Oh no, I was going to say like intro, like course, like a three course dinner or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was thinking those Cheddar Bay biscuits. They have it like Red what's Lobster. The, what's the first like course you run on like Mario Kart? That's kind of like an introductory course, or the snowball uh, fight in Final Fantasy Tactics. Oh yeah, yeah. I was going to say what's the what's the one in. It's one in 64, the original, like the first course. I forget what. Did not play 64. That was the main one I played. Like the main one I played was 64, and then like the SNES one. And I never really played, like I played Double Dash a little bit. Like my wife played a good amount of Double Dash, like when she was in college. I, the, the only Mario Kart I played a lot was uh, Mario Kart DS. Oh, nice. That was the only one that I actually played very much because I uh, was poor and was in the late stages of school when the other ones came out. So I didn't really have a lot of time or money to purchase or play video games. That's true. There were times as an undergrad towards the beginning. Oh, yeah. I played lots of John Madden football and NHL hockey and all that kind of stuff. But as it got towards the end, not so much. Mm hmm. Yeah. Not so much. I'm, so, I texted a friend the the red force, and he said, "Are you kidding me?" And I said, "Yep." Or I guess uh, I should say, "Nope." Nope. <laughs> I put a shocked yeah, face so, and said, "Nope." So the one thing I want to say about law reinforcement and and the the tappers like this, but especially maybe this one, maybe is a little even a little more relevant. Um, don't fall into the trap earlier. You were talking about your. Arthur denting of just constantly like, or you're playing right into someone's game plan. Like just like you would need to tax somebody's mana. Sometimes you just don't attack with your guys. You don't tap their things. And then, so you can get the double tap on their blockers. Yeah. So you can like, you know, end of your turn, tap something and then untap and then tap something. And then, yeah, tap their thing and then, and then so. get you. Yeah, I know that's kind of a very rudimentary thing, but when when I remember when I first started playing Magic, with it was Master Decoy. Yeah, which by the way, did you see? There's a uh, homage to Master Decoy in the new set. He's even riding yeah, a zebra. I, 
Yeah, I, I just wish it was a little better. Like that's okay. We'll, we'll we'll talk about when we get to it. I just like that he was riding a zebra like Master Decoy. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know this, that that was know. one thing that it took me a little while to figure out was oh, I oh if I wait I can tap two creatures basically so I can attack. So yeah, and if you're the opponent too in that scenario, it's just like well, I guess I'm right. Dead. Like port port your port. Yeah, so you can't port my port. Yeah, and I think it was intentionally created with the cmc2 or greater so that you can't tap their tapper which probably isn't right. going to really happen in cube but like honestly i really haven't found that drawback mattered much. no because i think most of the stuff you want to if you're tapping offensively you want to tap the bigger creatures and yeah. honestly defensively too let's yeah. be honest yeah i was about to say most of the time you just want to tap whatever is biggest it's like i'll tap your titan or whatever right like get out the I, way I think the the only time that this really really matters is like with big tokens with like a ma- big amass creatures which is you know more of a thing in in War of the Spark limited mm-hmm. or um or like beasts that were like created with Garrick but most of the almost all of the time it was just like tap something of yours and the mana being just one colorless has been really useful too you know, we're always talking about like playing all the one drops in your aggro decks. Like, I think I really hope that you know people start playing more of these because I've been very impressed with with this guy and then the uh, the other ones. They, they get her and yeah, Lawkeeper, uh, Harrier, and and the other one, Gold Meadow Harrier. Yeah, they get a, they get a they get a huge thumbs up. You know, I've I've definitely been very happy with those. Cool. They don't attack for two, but you know that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> and now we got a new mother of runes, a stepmom yes, or aunt, auntie of runes. I, I like someone's re- reply of "You're not my real mom." Oh yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. All right, what card would you like to discuss next? Uh, do I talk about prison realm? Yeah, we can talk about Prison Realm. It's, it kind of fits in. It, it does a lot of... We, we've seen this card before. Yeah, yeah, like the uh, Journey to Nowhere kind of thing. Right, and so Prison Realm is, is two and a white enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, exile target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield. But when it enters the battlefield, scry one. So, I know it's a different color, but do you like this more? Or do you like the Dollar Tree version of Heroes Downfall more like Never to Return or whatever? Uh, probably this one? Yeah. Yeah, I've liked this one more. I, I, I think I want to have to go with this one. Yeah. It's pretty good. I the, the the scry one is 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 certainly not nothing. Yeah. And while it's not oblivion ring, n- not much is. Um yeah, say, almost I'm trying to think of percentage wise, like when I was trying it out, I was thinking how often am I hitting non creatures and non planeswalkers? You know, hitting, you know, that kind of whatever this can't hit. And it's not really super often. Like it's nice when you can nab a sword with an O ring, but it's not super often. 
Right. And I don't think I I'm trying to think if I currently am running Journey to Nowhere. I don't think I am. But yeah. Being able to open up again, open up the ability to interact with planeswalkers and getting a scry out of it means I think I like it a bit more than than that one anyway. So yeah. it's ain't bad. It's it's fine. It's it's a solid out of ten. Did you see the uh, Tom Ross tweet that I posted? You, I did. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I was like, man. So Tom Ross said, "Next upkeep is certainly on purpose. Of we want it to it be used. Yeah, we want it to be used defensively against aggression, but also as a hard cast option on three for the the new red defensively against aggression." Yeah, I I'm trying to think of when that would happen, but I uh, humans perhaps sure. Sure, uh, man. Yeah, exactly. Ah, well, they can't all be winners. No, watch it be. Watch it be good, and then we'll just yeah, sound silly. It'll be like insane, and we're going to sound really stupid. <laughs> it'll be like when we said Elishorn sucks, and it's like, oh, oh. God. oh God. <laughs> so expensive. Yeah, Cost seven mana. Much. It only attacks for three, four. Oh, is it a four seven? Yeah, it's a four seven. <laughs> <laughs> See, maybe it did. it's all coming to light now. Uh oh. Spaghetti. Uh, all right. What do you think? I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to uh, Tomic. Okay. I thought you were gonna do, gonna do single combat, but that was. Uh, eh. It gets a no. I, I no. Eh. Yeah. Eh. So okay, exactly. But 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 Tomic is a uh, white white flying two three. Lands on the battlefield and land cards and graveyards can't be the target of spells or abilities your opponents control, and your opponents can't play land cards from graveyards. So I, I like this card. Like it's uh, it, <laughs> the the second part is all fla- is so I don't think it really happened. Like when I was trying it again through all those reps, I don't think it, the the land thing really mattered at all, but. You know, if you have like a man, if you have a creature land, you can just give it some pants, and it's like, hey, would you like to kill this? In right. response, oh nope, nope, sorry. So yeah, man, it's just so this hits a couple of like little things. Okay, so one, two power, two mana, flyer with a mm-hmm. three butt. Yeah, three butts, real nice. Which lets it fight with a lot of the smaller air creatures and live. Uh, yeah. I mean, it still dies to bolt or whatever, but you know. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. Whatever. Fine. So when um, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. And it's a human because, as we've all learned, if there's one thing that's gotten out of control, if you look at modern, is the amount of humans and things allow for all these interactions. It's to the point where I've recently added Champion of the Parish to my cube because there's so much side interactions with humans and it there's really only one or two cards to kind of add to the archetype to make it a good side tribal interaction that lives within another thing mm-hmm. yeah and it hits that too hits and it wears pants it. really well yeah it wears pants super well so like uh when i was i think when i was looking at at tomic i was looking at the you know, cre- the the two power flyers we've gotten over the years. We've never had a two one with first strike with flying. 
for two, and we've never had one with this much toughness for two. We have, but you had to return a permanent to your hand. Oh yeah, yeah. For sure. It has to be some like something that you can cast on curve. So I don't know if that really counts. I mean, you can cast it on curve. You just can't cast a three drop afterwards. That's all. Yeah, I was about to say you're you're Although really power cube. Like I'm gonna pick up my Mox Pearl. Okay. You know, I don't. I don't know if that happened super often when I ran it back I'll in the play day. It again. Okay. It, it was nice when you could do that. Yeah, but it's just. Or I'll pick up this idiot planeswalker that only has one loyal. This is gonna die. I'll bring it back. But yeah, it's just like in that like Sarah Avenger, which you can't really cast on yeah. either. But I think all of those things, I think there was there's something Mark Rosewater talked about in an article called like additive distraction. Right. Where he, he I probably I brought it up in articles a lot. I don't know if I you have you brought it up on one of our recent podcasts too, yep. Yeah, where it's just like a one to green for three four and people are like, Yay. But if it's like one to green for three four, if you control ten or more artifacts, you I don't know, you win the game or something, or it gets slightly larger. People get like disappointed. <laughs> yeah, it's like I can't make ten artifacts. It's like, who cares? This creature's still huge. Whereas like this, it's just like, okay, the land thing probably is going to happen too often, but it's still a two-three, so it blocks super well. It attacks super well too. Like having a three-butt isn't as much of a it doesn't thing. die to stupid the spirit tokens or whatever. Yeah, I was about to say it's it's a lot harder to kill with like small things like spirits and and whatever. But I think this card's great. Like, yeah, I think it's very solid. Yeah, attack for two. We. Yeah. I can't look at the wanderer and not have the song be playing in my head. Uh, which one? If it's the one by Emperor, I'd be shocked. <laughs> it. it <laughs> It's the one by, let me try to think, Uh, Dion, I think it is. Yes. Dion Warwick? No, Dion. Just like Madonna is just Dion? Yeah, so it was was like a little group. It's a little 50s, little, I guess a late 50s, maybe early 50s um, trio or whatever. uh, Oh, okay. of, Of the guy wandering from town to town, you know. Uh, talking about all his his lover conquests. Have you not heard this song? No, I don't think oh, so. God. I pro- oh, maybe God. it's one of those that I'll recognize when I hear it, but I have I have no idea what that this song is. All right, okay, hold hold, hold please. Uh oh, hold please. Oh God. Yeah, this is one of the songs that I. My guess is that as soon as you hear it, you'll be like, oh yeah. Uh-huh. Before I, I, I believe they they may even ha- it might even be a featured song in like Fallout. Probably they they do some of that in there. Here you go. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with this link. I know Country okay. Road, whatever by John Denver is apparently like more popular now because it was in one of them Fallouts. Let's see. There you go. All right, black and white video. What play in my speaker? I don't know. Let's find out. I'll just do it on the standalone speakers. Oh. Nope. I have no idea what the song is. Nope. Oh, maybe?
yeah, I, nope. Nope. <laughs> There's Flo on my left and Amy on the, or, or, or whoever on my right. And Amy's the girl that I'll be with tonight. Whenever, wow. <laughs> when they ask me which one I love the best, I tear open my shirt and Rosie on my chest. What? <laughs> that, those are the words of the chorus. They call me the Wanderer. Wow. Yeah. I've, I, yeah, I've never heard that song before. So really? Bad. Wow. Yeah. This song was, yeah, this, <laughs> this is a very popular song. Yeah. I never heard that song. Very, very popular. I think I saw a little thing mentioned at when it was listed in like the top 500 songs of all time by Rolling Stone. Huh. I'll but be, you know, Rolling Stone comes up with annoying lists all the time. So yeah, they, I guess they were the prototype. For, right. for those BuzzFeed listings. Yeah, they're right, right. BuzzFeed version 0.1. Yeah. We'll list the best drummers of all time, but we won't put Buddy Rich or Neil Peart on there or something. Right, right, exactly. We'll put, we'll put like the drummer for, I don't know, Peaches and Herb or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who that would be. I didn't know who Peaches and Herb was till, <laughs> till we had that episode, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, when I heard the when I'm I pretty saw, sure you knew the song, but you knew the song, right? You didn't know Peaches and Herb. I'm trying to remember what happened. Oh, re, re, reunited? No, I don't think I heard the song before. No, oh, my wife really? did. Okay, yeah, she knew, but I That's didn't. It. At least someone's got some. Uh, someone's got a little bit of taste. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I was think, when I first saw the thing about the Wanderer, I thought of like it was a song from Emperor on on their album. Uh, from the Welkins at dusk or something. It was like it was like this uh, instrumental song that ended the album, and that's what I thought of. I think like one person got got the reference. Shout outs to to Zulflux for getting <laughs> the reference. Also, shout outs to to him and Sir Funchalot and I don't know, building a deck and gifts forgiven and all them in the Discord because yeah, being, having some interesting conversations and especially with like mid range and whatnot. Hmm. That's a kind of spurred part of that soapbox too. Talking about a Johnny's and the Cat Dads and stuff. That's the nickname that we've collectively given to a Johnny. Not gotcha. Even though I'm a Cat Dad, even though one cat, that one cat's looking at me. One's looking at me now. Hey, buddy. Yeah, mine's just laying next to me, snoring currently. I was gonna say he's either snoring or purring. Yes, those are his two states. Yeah. Or, or talking. Those are sorry. Oh, yeah. That that's kind of describes this one too. He uh, he's either purring or meowing or All right. causing trouble. <laughs> and any other white cards slash white cats you would like to discuss? That actually is a white cat. Um Let's see. Yeah, single combat's just bad and like Teo is no good. Nope. Like Teo. Yeah. Teo. You know the funny thing is um, they they reference that song. I think we were watching an episode of Game Grumps, and I had no idea that like you know the Tally Man, you know Tally Me Banana. Well, yeah, was... that, it's all based on like them doing the banana farming or whatever. Yeah, I had no idea. I was like, you know, like five when I heard that song. Right. But, yeah, I You're was like, like, I saw it on Beetlejuice. They were all, they were all get at the dinner table. The weird thing is, I don't even think it was from that. I think I just heard it in grade school because I didn't watch Beetlejuice till a while later. I think they were just, you know, 
it was just a thing, I guess. I don't know. But it was just like when I found that out, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, you know, six foot, seven foot, eight foot bunch. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? And the, the banana spiders that would be in the trees that were very dangerous, the black tarantula. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, that's something. Man, that's that's wild. Work song, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Is working at a coal mine another one? Working in a coal mine. Yeah, like was that? A, I don't think that. Uh, I don't think so. I think that, I, that. I think that's just a pop song. But yeah, I was about to say coal mines probably were way after like the slave trade. Yeah, that's. I, I would. I would. I would guess so. Also, but I don't know. I, I've never researched it to know if it's based on a, a spiritual or not. I didn't either. I just literally just thought of that right now. That's what happens when you drink calamansi juice and you don't get enough sleep. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So I guess blue cards, um, what do you think of Callus Dismissal? I really like Callus Dismissal. Me too. Um, that card's great. Yeah, it's just a mana war that you can't blink that costs two, but it's a permanent. Yeah. Like a non-land permanence, not just creatures. I, I, I thought this card seems this card's great. Yeah, like it's not an instant like into the royal or whatever, but I don't know if you remember that when I brought this point up during uh maybe in return to Ravnica, remember the angel angel of it was the four it was like four and triple white and you like exile three cards in play and or graveyards or something. Mm. I forget what it's called. And I totally should know this. Thankfully, I can look it up. Four. To the interwebs. Yep. Thankfully, I have combo deck.net. Angel Serenity. Okay. Yeah, that's the one. So, like, you know, it has the ability to exile. Yeah, some four stuff white, 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 landfall and exile things. Oh, no, this was, uh, so four triple white for a five, six flyer. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you may exile up to three, oh, three things. That's right. And then when it dies, they go back to your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Like the graveyard thing might seem just like, why would they do this? And I don't know if it, they talked about it in a development article or whatever, but it's one of those things where it kind of nudged you to doing the right thing. Right. To playing it early. It's just like, I don't want to play this because I can't kill anything. It's just like, well, you can get stuff from your graveyard, buddy. And it's like the same thing with, uh, I don't know if you're like Nizumi Cutthroat in limited mm-hmm. or like one to black for two, one fear and it can't block. And right. So I think there was, you should be attacking with it. Right. Yeah. And I think some, I think there were some pros or like some people, I think it was like German Romy or Ramey or whatever. were just like unhappy because that you're text made you play. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was him. Yeah. Like it made you play the card, right? Like it was just like, okay, you, because, you know, people might just hold it back for blocking, where it's just like, no, attack. Attack for two. It has fear. It can get it. Right. Or like Ulamog's Crusher in development, you know, was eight mana for an 8-8, eight, eight, Annihilator 2. And people are holding it back, and forcing it to attack was the way to make say, hey, attack with your giant 8-8. Eight, eight. <laughs> you should right. be attacking. Your giant 8-8 eight, eight, that makes them lose at least two permanents, if not more, when they try to block it. Yeah. And I feel like being able to target anything and making the one, one kind of nudges you to do it the right way. Kind of like your opponent plays a turn two signet or something. It's just like, I'll 
like into the roiling it usually you know it can feel weird even if it's the right play and like doing this is just like here's this i get a one one for my trouble mm-hmm. and whatever. well right and and you know the the making of the token is easily the best part of a mass giving it bonuses or whatever is way worse than actually making a token of any size so like yeah and and since most likely a mass is not going to be a huge cube mechanic I don't think we're going to see very many cards where that's a very common thing. You're always yeah. going to get the max value out of that mechanic by making the dude. I mean, even if we get a throwback set, we're only getting probably one or two of these tops. So you're always getting the best part of the mechanic and you get to bounce something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like it might be not... your own thing. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, just like you reset your planeswalker or something. It's like, okay. Like, it's not an instant, like, into the Royal, and I think that's where, I think some of the, like, I think I'd heard some people poo-pooing it because, you know, it's not an instant, so it's not strictly... Yeah, so it's not busted as, you know what, like, because if it was, look at it as being a creature. This is a creature that bounces a permanent. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the key. I think, I think even on limited resources, I think... I think they were kind of lukewarm on it, but I think LSV brought up to Marshall that it was kind of like a one-one man war, and of course he right, right, yeah, that's all the convincing that needed to be done. Yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, there you go. But yeah, I've really liked like Callus's missile. That card, yeah, card's neat. That's a good one. What do you think of uh, commence the end game? So I have not had a chance to play this yet. Uh, I would do so because that card's great. This you card can- seems really, really good. So you can probably get one cheap now because I got a foil of it. When the card the set came out, because I expect it to go up, but as it turns out, you don't want to play expensive instance in a format that's where there's a where Teferi. there's a three mana planeswalker that doesn't let you play instance. Yeah, exactly. At yeah, instant so that, speed. <laughs> yeah. So so I felt kind of silly, but oh, then again, also, only... also one that doesn't let you draw extra cards. Yeah, that too. Yeah, <laughs> I only paid three bucks for it because of an eBay coupon. So whatever. Nice. Yeah, well, I do so, have a twenty dollar eBay coupon floating around. So, oh yeah, be sure to use that. I happened to a friend; he didn't use it this whatever month, and yeah, he got wrecked. So, I guess we should read the card out loud, as as we usually. Do. I guess, I guess for double blue, instant. The spell can't be countered. Draw two cards, then a mass X, where X is the number of cards in your hand. I guess we didn't say what a mass does. Uh, put X. Plus one, plus one counters on an army you control. If you control, if you don't control one, create a zero, zero black zombie army living weapon. I mean, creature token first. And I guess the callous dismissal was sorcery return target non-land permit to its owner's hand, amass one. Right. So, yeah, this was one I really, I forget what happened. I don't know if it was people in Discord talking about it or what, but like, I have really liked this card. Like, I think some of the evaluations I'd heard, you know, just like, it's like, I don't even know. I think it was maybe just more constructed evaluations saying it was just like a bad divination or six mana divination. But I think it's just really dismissive and just kind of reductionist. It's just like, that is kind of just, and, and I'm not really a big fan of when people do that in evaluation anyway. It's just like, mm-hmm. take the absolute worst parts of a card. And so like, oh, or if it's a card a card like this where it's kind of variable in its 
in where it could play and always evaluating it on its worst and being like, okay, this card's bad, where reality never really happens in just the worst cases. But yeah, I really like this card. It's it's a, it's a really solid just flash threat. And I think especially in control decks, you know, having a good flash threat is really nice. Yeah, and uncounterability too has been really nice. You know, Sir, that uh, Sir Funchal like I was talking about how the one time I think he cast it and, you know, he was his opponent ca- attacked with a Carnage Tyrant. So he cast that and made an 8-8 eight, eight, and ate the oh. Carnage Tyrant. <laughs> I was like, jeez. That's just gross. But yeah, I've really liked this card. I think it's, like, it's, you can't evoke this, obviously, like like Muldrifter, but I think this plays a different role, and I, I like the role that this plays better. And of course, like, you can't have infinite finishers in your cube, so... Sure. You probably have to cut one that exists, but I mean, that's fine. Like, yeah, I mean, you could cut a Frost Titan or whatever. Yeah, and even then, like, I... I would probably say this punches well into like the the you know the good tier of blue finishers like blue gear hulk and consecrated sphinx like this punches very well with those. Cool. And I think as tempting as it may be to be like oh this card's like a Muldrifter or something it's definitely mm. better. Mm. Most of the time it's like a I think most of the time when I saw it cast it was like a 4/4 four, four to a 6/6. Six, six. Yeah, I was going to say like blue has a good a good habit of keeping cards in hand. Yeah, so. yeah, usually. Yeah, which is why I'm not usually a big fan of it. It's like, oh, this is just a 2-2. It's like, n- no, that's that's not reality, buddy. All right. Yeah. How about, is there anything before we get to another G? Uh, I actually like Crush Descent. I've, I've quite been liking it. I don't know if it's going to survive that long because competition, but I've been surprisingly decent on it. Or, you know, been liking it as kind of like a, you know, budget mystic snake kind of thing that's just a lot easier to cast okay so crush descent is three and a blue for a uh, instant counter target spell unless it's controller pays two a mass two yeah so it's kind of like a mystic snake but instead of casting counter spell it casts quench which is fine i think i think you know there's probably you know people are just like oh this sucks in limited so it's not good in cube but in limited at least uh, as far as I know with War of the Spark, and of course, it's, it's kind of like this weird thing where I really, I don't know, I haven't really seen a whole lot of streaming because, you know, a lot of it's just not limited right now. I don't mm-hmm. know. And there's not a lot of cube people are streaming. I think it's just Caleb and and Newmont. But so it's like, in a lot of retail limited formats, you don't really have a lot of other stuff to do with open mana. Like, if you're holding up you know, a lot of historically cards like Neck Snap or Divine Judgment or whatever, where it's like three and a white destroy target attacking or blocking creature. Like if you're holding up that mana, your opponent know if your opponent oh, knows what's oh, up. The Neck Snap was the worst hidden trick in the book in Lorwyn yeah. Blanc. Yeah, the Neck Snap. Yeah, I think that one definitely sticks out in my mind. It's just like I'm holding up four mana. Boy, Go. I sure hope I don't have anything. Yeah. And then it's just like most of the time you don't have anything to do with your mana, so you pretty much are gambling on it. I hope my opponent falls for this. If not, that's not good for me. 
Right. I sure hope they walk right into this. Yeah, just like, what's the worst that could happen? And there's not a lot of whole, like, instant speed things in this format, from what I know, like in Retail Limited, aside from, like, Erratic Visionary. So it's kind of that same neck snap thing, where if you're holding up that much mana, you're, you really hope your opponent falls for it, because you're doing stone nothing with your mana. So if your opponent doesn't fall for it, you just wasted a whole bunch of time. But in Cube, that doesn't necessarily apply. And because of that, I've been liking it as, you know, essentially a budget mystic snake. Yeah, I, uh, I gotta tell you, I, I, I would have to play with this card to, to see what it feels like because looking at this card, it does not look interesting to me at all. So I think, and it sounds bad for me to say this too, but just like, because I mean, we're getting a couple of other good force and, right. <laughs> and like and even in modern horizons we're getting urza and it's yeah like, come yeah on. <laughs> oh speaking of four drops yeah oh yeah fibble thip that one's good too by the way it's a blue elvish visionary but you know whatever but yeah god eternal kefnet would you like to read this one because i don't i think i've been reading a lot of these lately okay so god eternal kefnet is uh two blue blue for a 4-5 Flying Zombie God, you may reveal the first card you draw each turn as you draw it. Whenever you reveal an instant or sorcery this way, copy that card, and you may cast the copy, and that copy costs two less to cast. And then it has the, you know, regenerative God thing. This card, are you for real with this card? So when I when I saw the card at first, I think uh, Cube Miser... Uh, shout outs to to him. I don't know why I apparently couldn't talk. So I think he said it was like the one of the biggest four drops in his cube, which is weird because it's a blue creature. Blue doesn't get big creatures. So I looked at like the averages, I think, on Cube Tutor for four drops. And this pretty much outmuscles all of them, except for yeah. like I think the the closest competition I think was like Pelucranos and maybe Hero of Bladehold if you count that, which I'm not sure if I would. Yeah. This card, it's a four or five flyer for four with huge upside. Like good lord. Let yeah. alone if you have a chance to like manipulate or draw cards on other people's turns. Because it's just the first card you draw each turn, not the first card you draw on your turn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you can pull like the miracle tricks. Like, ugh. I mean, again, I'm going to put, this top, I'm gonna put this top on. I'm going to search my top. Oh, I'm going to put this card on top of my deck. I'm going to draw it up. Oh. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. So when I when I tried it out, I without something that repeatedly manipulates the top of your deck, you know, like a, a div top or a scroll rack or something, it usually just triggered once, which is fine. Like that's all right. Well, and, and except for that, if you run something like a blue red spells matter package, like. If you're running like a blue red spells matter and your reds your red spells are removal spells, burn spells, like proactive things, mm -hmm. yeah, you're just fine to take the free spell that you're just getting, you know, 
yeah. during your upkeep. Proactive spells is definitely a thing in this set too. I don't know if we're going to get to red tonight, but there's there's a couple of cards for proactive red spells that that I've that really liked in this set. But th- this card just seems the rate just seems so high on this card, and I don't yeah. I I can't imagine not running it. So you know, run run the mythic count up. Yeah, another one. It's like I I thought it was pretty good. Like I. Again, I have no idea what the shelf life is, but it's it's essentially as long as when looking at the card, it's it's pretty much Bane Slayer first, or you know, big creature first, and then Miracle Maker second, right? Which is fine. Like that's what it does. It's just a big creature first, and then I think where I think when it was previewed, I think a lot of people saw it as Miracle Maker first, and then big creature. Yeah, second. I, I think just yeah, I think just it being well by the fact that it's a big creature by virtue of it being a four five for four, I think it also slots into more deck types that way because you can play it as an attacking like big, creature. Yeah, like, like a big big dum dum. Right. As just like, you know, four mana dragon or whatever. Like Yeah. You actually get to do that too. And then oh by the way. Oh by yeah. the way, sometimes you get a free spell. Oh by the way, also kinda hard to kill. Man, mm-hmm. I wonder if Blue has any way to manipulate the top of their library. Huh. So yeah. I card seems very good to me. Yeah, it's it's solid. It's a it's a solid one. What do you think of this Jace? All right. So Jace, wielder of mysteries. Okay, you ready? How many, according to Gatherer, how many Jace Planeswalker cards are there now? Oh man. So I, I'm not gonna look. Yeah, don't look. Uh, I counted them earlier with the the intention of quizzing you on them later. Oh boy. Oh boy. Okay, I'm not gonna let's... ask you to name them, but I just want no. you to take a guess and see if you can guess how many there are. So I'm not going to bother counting them. I'm just going to ballpark it. Eight. Close. Hmm. Eleven? Correct. Hmm. There are eleven Jaces. Wow. Wow. Does it count the flip Jaces too, or or just one? Uh, Well, I I actually did not... uh... It, according to this page, when I did for creature type planeswalker, uh, let's see, okay. um, did he? Okay. Co- yes, he came up as counting as one because okay, because there's only one planeswalker. Yeah, while the other yeah, one's a creature. Sense. So it is Jace Bellerin, Jace Arcane Strategist, Jace Architect of Thought, Jace Cunning Castaway, Jace Ingenious Mind Mage, Jace Memory Adept, Jace Telepath Unbound. Jace the Living Guild Pack, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Jace Unraveler of Secrets, and the card we're talking about right now, Jace Wielder of Mysteries. One blue, blue, blue for a four loyalty legendary planeswalker. If you would draw a card while your library has no cards in it, you win instead. Hooray. Hooray. It's Laboratory Maniac. Plus one, target player puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard, draw a card, neg eight, draw seven, and then if your library has no cards in it, you win the game. Hooray, you win. Hooray! (sighs) So guess how often this ultimate happened? Zero? One, I think. At least one. And did they win? Uh, Yeah, I won. Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, sometimes you just want to draw seven, I don't know. Well... 
I, well, it has that extra rider text in case they kill it. That way, you know, it. Yeah. But yeah, it happened at least once. And that's, I, I know at least I had that happen. Okay. Also. So this is just like a, a, a card draw. Yeah. It's a course of portal or, you know, personal howling mind, whatever, personal Jesus. Personal. Yeah. J- personal Jesus. Wow. Wow. <laughs> nice. I don't know how I didn't how to do that one. That, that's good. <laughs> nice. I like it. Yeah, Again, I, this I like card this is not one that I would that would strike me as being something I would play just by kind of base just by looking at it of saying, is this a card I want to play? Because obviously what what card do I see when I look at this card? When I see four mana Jace, right? Like Yeah. Really or even difficult. one triple blue too. I thought you were going Correct. For that. Right. That's the other part of it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm all for triple blue spells. I mean, uh there, there, there's a reason why uh, it costs three blue and three red. Yeah, because oh, it's worth it. Because <laughs> it's worth it. Cards yeah. dumb. I've but, liked this guy too, though. He's he's been he's been solid. Interesting. I would not have suspected that. I don't know if you're being sarcastic. <laughs> no, I, I. That's not. This is not even a card I would have even considered testing. Yeah, because of, uh, because of where it sits and the casting cost and. Yeah, the, you know what seems to be what what appears at first blush to be mostly mediocre uh, card effects, unless of course you know like your reanimator support and things like that, where you just get all this incidental value by like milling yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's also interesting when like sometimes when you're playing like the big blue deck. Like sometimes you just happen to draw a whole bunch of cards, and then you look at your library and have seven cards. You're like. Uh oh, I need to win soon or I'm gonna die. Whereas like this card, it has helped turn that into a win con. Granted, it hasn't happened a lot, like I said, but it's yeah, I've been pretty surprised by it. I don't know how long it's gonna last, of course. I still need to I still need to quote unquote officially update my cube and then with modern horizons. I have no idea what I'm going to do with where, that. Where, where do you put this on the arc next to Architect of Thought? Hmm. About the same. Maybe slightly worse. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, probably that appropriate, approximate tier range ish. Okay. Where do you put this on the scale next to Jace the Mile? Okay, sorry. I mean, my sculptor's I'm just. Sorry, I, yeah. couldn't I couldn't get through it. I'm sorry. He's on, I, he's on I, league. I tried. I I almost thought you were going to dove that, dovetail that into Living Guild Pact. I'm like, oh, Living Guild Pact is, is OP. What do you think of uh, what do you think of the opposite end of the mana spectrum with of uh, Casmina? All right, so again, Casmina seems interesting to me. Um, so Casmina three in a blue, uh, legendary planeswalker Casmina spells your opponent's cast that target a creature or planeswalker. You- all cost two more. Neg two, create a two two blue wizard creature token. Draw a card, then discard a card. It's got five starting loyalty. So, like, I think this card is too reactive. Um, I, I like that it protects your own stuff, but blue is not super known for having to protect your own stuff. 
because it's not it's not a color that's typically known for having a bunch of things to protect, like especially creatures, I guess specifically. Mm-hmm. That you necessarily need to protect things. So, like, there's very few blue decks that are like, I'm going to curve out one, two, three, and now I'm going to play this on four, and, you know, all your, you know, all your ways of dealing with these things is going to be tougher. But I think making, making two, two, twos and getting a couple loots is pretty good. Like, yeah. Especially if you have stuff like the, uh, what's the final form of Delver Secrets called again? Oh, insectile aberration? No, 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 no. Oh, the final like one, final... the one they made after that. Oh, that makes geez. that makes wizard tokens every turn, and they get gigantic. I want to say like docent of perfection. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Nice. So, like, if you run that card, like this card seems <laughs> like a compliment to it. It's kind of I, like I uh, not super exciting to me, but I could be proven final, wrong. Final iteration. Yeah, that's the flip of that one. Of docent. Was that a pun, though? What's the final iteration of it? <laughs> no, that was completely... <laughs> wow. That was completely by accident. I actually didn't know what the other side of the... Wow. <laughs> I'm not even joking. That's too funny. It's actually called final iteration. Yeah, it's actually called final iteration, yeah. <laughs> nope, that was com nope. Completely uh nope. Completely wow. unknown. I like how the insect like trapped a human and the the insect's like, Oh, I'm doing all this and then like I don't know, that last art just kind of makes him look like I don't know. He's just kind of lording over these people, but they're insects? I don't know. Whatever. And then they make... I don't know. I, I like the whole little storyline of uh, Sectile of, uh, yeah. Library. Yeah, it's like the little storyline of the soldier that's in uh, Ravnica, who has like all the oh, same yeah. different cards. All the different yeah. cards. Same with, uh, what's that? Um, she keeps getting promoted. Yeah, I was going to say the Goblin. Goblin Boros recruit that became a war boss. Yeah. Like, I like those kind of things. But, but do yeah, you like Tasmina? I, I like and her. She's not bad. Board. That makes me think of, uh, she made me think of, what's that card? Uh, Kira Great Glass Spinner. Sure. It's just like, it protects itself, kind of, and then True. just spits out a couple dudes. It's, I like it less than Jace, but she ain't bad. So, so not embarrassing. Yeah. If I saw it on the list, I'd be like, all right. It's definitely peasantable. Oh, oh. She's God, definitely yes. peasantable. I, I would I, I don't play that format that much. I find it very hard to disagree with that. I you know it's weird. I wrote the uh the date that I kind of started my peasant cube. It's been about a year since I created it. It it feels like it hasn't been that long, but I guess time flies. How about uh do you wanna talk about Kazmina's transmutation? Meh. Okay. Yeah. How about Narset? Parter of Veils. She's she's solid. Like she's she's like Jace, kinda. I found her to be like Jace. She she performed better than I thought, which probably should have nudged me to buy some foils, but I didn't. So whoops. Yeah, that card is uh prohibitively expensive, especially the Japanese. Oh yeah. Yeah, those who oh boy. So one double blue, 
5 loyalty. Each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. Minus 2. Look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a non-creature, non-land card from among them and put them into your hand, or put it into your hand. Put the bottom, put the rest on bottom in a random order. Yeah. She... I mean, this card's a uh, control mirror, a control breaker, control mirror breaker. It's real dumb as a card to counteract Brainstorm and Legacy, which I imagine that's why it's getting so much play, so much value. I think it's mainly, I think it's playing standard just in general. Yeah, standard seems good too. Yeah, I think like, I think I've seen some people try to make it work in, I know at least in Miracles in Legacy. I think maybe vintage too, but I, I think I've seen her in. I mean, going. card just shuts off brainstorm. Yeah, and that's like the glue, the glue that holds together legacy. Yeah. So yeah. she's a she's a good one. Like I, yeah, she seems decent to me. Yeah, like she usually drew something like a, with a lot of these library cards that like let you look at the top whatever in mm-hmm. cube. Most of the time, it's just like hope to hit a card. You do. Okay, I'll draw this. Rather than, I will look from the top three cards and choose, you know, whatever cards. Like, I'll look at my top four. I see three cards that fit my criteria, and then I'll choose one. It's just like, okay, here's a impulse. Sure, whatever. Here's my bolt. Okay, sure. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. She's she's pretty good. She's all right. She's solid. That's like my review in this. (laughs) She's solid. Silent Submersible, however, is no. not solid. Like, it's a freaking what? submarine. It doesn't have evasion. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. I don't... Yeah, I don't know how that happened. They uh, they really dropped the ball on that. Do you think... And I'm probably really stretching. Do you think because it's blue, it's a reference to a, the U-Boats? Uh, yeah, but U-boats were the what's his name? They were the, they were German. Yeah, they were the German like little destroyers, right? Yeah, I guess it's, but it's more of a UU boat. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If yeah, it were it was... a ship, if it were like an Ixalan, and it was a U-boat, I think that would be better because because U-boats were not submarines. So, so apparently, the German term refers to any submarine. But the English term refers to any military submarines operated by Germany, particularly oh, in World okay. War One and Two. Huh? Yeah. So I don't know. It might be reference that, but I'm probably really stretching. I mean, but that's a that's a. If it's not, it's, an, it's certainly an interesting coincidence. Yeah. If so, I'm, it, it's more like a QQ boat. It's probably a better right? reference than a, than the Seven Eleven. Which, oh, there you go. Yeah. It's probably better than that 7-Eleven that they had in Kaladesh. I don't know how that flew. <laughs> like, yeah, that was just, I was just facepalm right there. Yeah, we, we didn't talk about the giant flying house earlier. Oh, Parhelion? Parhelion Deuce, or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah, Parhelion Part 2. Electric wow, I totally it. didn't realize. Parhelion Part 2. <laughs> yeah, good luck crewing that thing. <laughs> I think like two is probably the the is two or three probably the ceiling for cubable uh, vehicles. As far as like the crew number, 
Yeah. Probably three. Yeah. I think three is probably like four is like out of the picture. Like no. right, right. Four is just unreasonable. But there's a lot of creatures that even starting at two mana and up that have three power. So yeah, yeah. I, I think, think like this, the think boat is a nice example of of that, where it's you know essentially a big green creature, but right knife stuff out of the sky. Yeah. All right. All right. How about Oops, I lost my window just as I went to click Uh-oh. on it. Stupid thing. All right, so have you tried Spark Double? No, I, maybe I did, and I was like meh on it. Yeah, I think I tried, and it was like eh. Like not being able to clone your opponent's stuff is really meh. Yeah, that was for me. That's the thing that kind of that kind of bugged me about it. Was just like oh, mm. I think yeah, I remember reading it think at first and i was like you know i was like oh my i was like what you can get a creature and an extra counter and he's even legendary and then i reread it and i was like as a cut well your your own stuff <laughs> I <was> like man <laughs> yeah it was it was quite the disappointment <laughs> so uh i'm not sure there's anything else i am very amused by the art by the way yeah yeah wow yep yeah and i at first i think when it was uh previewed i don't think the the statue was like 100 percent known at the time so like you could you might think it's bolus himself right and, and i thought he was like I thought he was pulling like some Shadow of the Colossus nonsense where he landed on his head and he just has to like stab the weak point or something. <laughs> Do you ever play Shadow of the Colossus? Uh, I am familiar with it, but I don't think I've ever played it. Oh, like that's that's I, I think I played a little bit, but man, that game is great. But yeah, I thought they were pulling some of that kind of stuff, but it turns out it was just a statue. Yeah, I did not have a PS2, so oh, gotcha. I had a PS1. Yeah, so I got to play stuff like Brave Fencer Musashi and things like that, but I did not have the PS2. Okay, how was that game? That game seemed really good. It was by Square during. Oh yeah, oh it was great. It was so fun. It was one of those games I bought because it was like super on sale because the store had a bunch of extra copies, and then I bought one and immediately told like every all my friends like, "Uh, "You guys should all be playing this. This is great." Yep, it was a lot of fun. Square during their prime was so good. Like so good, you could just buy everything of theirs and be okay. Yeah, yeah. When they had that Final Fantasy money, they were like, "Let's do everything." That's right. Like, like, hey, this is a really neat idea. Let's do this. Okay, sure, sure. Go ahead, make us more money. I don't know if any of them actually did, but that's fine. They were mainly they were pretty all pretty solid games. Do you ever play Einhander? I do know Einhander. That game was great. I do know Einhander. Einhander was was pretty good. Yeah, Bushido Blade. That was a yeah, good Bushido Blade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sure. played through that kind of recently, like last year, I think, or in the like a couple months ago. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Of, I, 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 I almost would have to have owned Einhander at some point, but I don't think I do anymore. But I never oh, sold no. games either, so it makes me wonder what I did with it. Einhander, I think, is pretty pricey nowadays. I'm sure they all, uh, dude. I, I have some of those old games, and I look at the prices of them. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Like you know, like I have the original. Uh, Chrono Trigger, like in the with the box and the map and everything too, for like SNES and 
Oh, that's all expensive too. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think we ended up get. I don't know if we have Chrono Trigger. I know we got, we got FF three and I think earthbound in box. And those were, those were not yeah, I'm like I should just sell them because I'm not playing them again. And if I play them again, it's probably just going to be in some emulator that on some system I actually have hooked up. But yeah. Cause I don't really care about vintage video games. I just happen to own a bunch of them. That's true. Although I do really want to play the Lunar games again. Yeah. Even though they, they don't age as particularly well as I think some of the others. I have very fond memories. No. Uh, like Final Fantasy 1 aged very badly. Like I, I've been playing through the remake of that on PS1. Uh, and it aged so Like there's so much. Gr- I remember there was a lot of grinding before. Oh, but, there's a lot of grinding in that game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like. And like the enemy encounters are really bad too. It's just like walk, 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 enemy, walk, walk, enemy. And it's like, uh, oh, 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 the worst is when you're trying to just get somewhere and like you can't take more than like five steps and it's like, Ugh. yep, yeah. I I think I got the airship and it's just like now you have to do all this stuff and it's like now I'm just beating it because you know I'm this far into it. I'm just like right, you're game. pot committed at this point. Yeah, yeah, I'm pot committed at this point, but I'm just like, wow, this game is this game is not aged well at all. Like, jeez. <laughs> yeah, even though I, I know what old, I'm... I have some old Fantasy Star games too. I think I have two and three for my Genesis. I never played those. I think maybe because I was you know a Nintendo kid. I never got in the Fantasy Star. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was of that age where like basically every single like Christmas, like that was the big gift. It's like combined oh. like, Christmas birthday gifts, like. I would like to get a Sega Genesis, or I would like to get a NES, or I would like to get this, and that's mm-hmm. just kind of what we did for a long time. Oh, nice. That was the only way for me to keep up. Yeah. Now it's like, here's a new console. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of those old, a lot of the old RPGs, I like the platformers and stuff aged okay, but it seems like a lot of the early JRPGs did yeah, I I do like some of them. Like I, I I'd have to go back and play them now. To, but um, yeah, like Dragon Warrior One. Ugh. Oh, those games were grindy. Oh, yeah. I just remember trying to find the metal slimes. Yeah, that was in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah okay. you had to like because I've been watching like somebody speedrun randomizers of it. Like yeah, it was those where they have like they're very hard to hit. Yep. But and they would run like yep. super fast. You get like, like oh my one God. shot at them and then they run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you like saw it hit, it'd be like you know, whatever the sound that makes when they evade and just like you get a hit. It's like yes, <laughs> like the, the metal babbles and I think they were in two. I think and afterwards, uh, yeah, those talking games were super grind for sure. Yeah, I think one one and two were really grindy, but. Apparently, the remakes of those have been better about that kind of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, well, that's good. But yeah. Good old good old RPGs back in the day. <laughs> and how they've aged badly. I think I have Ogre Battle somewhere also. For- I have it for PSX. I don't have it for SNES. I think I have and Ogre I think Battle. It- that, that one of my favorite old Sega CD... RPGs was called uh, Dark Wizard. Dark Wizard. So it was like 
uh, you would basically split your party into a bunch of different groups. Um, huh. And it was like a giant hex map. Oh, okay. And that's how you get around. So it was kind of a little bit like that. Yeah, type. <laughs> yeah, I, I did that right as you said that. That's interesting, huh? Yeah, it was a really cool game. I played it a lot. At first, uh-huh. I thought you were. Uh, at first, I thought you were going to say Dark Castle. I'm like, that's not a good game. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. Oh, okay, so no, yeah, it's got like a. This game looks interesting. Huh. Yeah, very, very good. Because it was kind of like part like tactic game and part whatever too. But yeah, yeah, kind of makes. Do you ever play? Oh, before we go into some tangent on RPGs, do you ever play Gemfire? For the SNES? No. So my sister owned the SNES, so I only got to play it upon her uh, permission. So the only game I ever really bought for it was, uh, what's his name? Uh, Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger? Yeah. Like, because, you know, she mainly used it for, like, some of the Mario games and, like, the fighting games. She had, like, Mortal Mm -hmm. Kombat and stuff like that on it, but. Yeah. So I never got to 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 game long term on it very much. Oh, okay, yeah, it was kind of an interesting, kind of an RPG ish kind of game, hmm. like more of a strategy game. It was it was interesting. It was yeah. it was like took place in a game that totally looks like the UK. Oh, but they 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 they, they kind of hide it pretty badly. But it was oh. an interesting game. I, I remember Persona too. I remember having the first Persona. I played. I think I rented that one, but I never. Like got super. Apparently, that game's worth a bunch now too. Yeah, and that because that pop that series is like popular now, which which seems weird to me, but in a good way. I wish I could remember the the RPG type thing I played for uh, DS when it first came out, and huh. I where it was one of the first games that took advantage, of leaving like the uh, for lack of a better official name, but like the airplay on where you would just like leave it on in your pocket and it would interact with other people's. Oh yeah, I I totally know because we still do that. Like whenever we bring our DSs to cons, I can't and remember. I can't remember the name of this game that was so awesome. And all I remember the literally the only thing I remember about it is that it had a dog statue in it. Hmm. But it was one of these games that wasn't like uh, it wasn't Elite Beat Agents, even though that game was great. Um. It was like it was an RPG and you had to like, build up your powers and fight things. And sometimes the only way to like level up your powers was to to do the whole thing of leaving it on and interacting with other people's DSs. And I was that one of the I'll be damned if I can remember the name, though. Was that one of the free games that came with it? No, no, I don't think so. No, the free game that came with it was like the preview of Metroid Prime Hunters. Huh. And then, I don't remember what the other one was. Oh, Street Pass. That's what that thing was. Street Pass. There you go. Yeah. I think there, I remember there was an RPG for it, but I don't remember it being super in depth or anything. It was like the one where you have like various paths or whatever, and you kind of use them. Like some of them have different kinds of magic or something. Yeah. I wish I could remember what it was. Huh. Uh, uh, you know, I'm looking through like that, you know, this Reddit thread to see if I could see someone happen to mention it and if it would trigger my Etrian Odyssey four. God, I remember playing Etrian Odyssey, but I don't know if that's it. 
Hmm. Did it use like the Mies? Like the characters no, that you recruited as Mies? Nope. Okay. No, it was definitely like Japanese animation huh. style. I'm looking at Etrian Odyssey. No, this was not it. I did play this game. It was very good. Huh. But this was not it. Oh, okay. Um, man. I'm looking through this thing. I shoot. Yeah, the ones I'm seeing is like you know, like Street Pass Rally or whatever. You know, just like the you know, like the the stuff that came with it, the free. Yeah, I think it was think one of the first games that really started using it. It wasn't necessary. Huh. But it was a side scroller like RPG type thing. Huh. Man, okay. I can't remember. Hmm. I'll oh, probably well. look for it. AKA I'll yeah. do it for like five minutes and then I'll forget. Right, and then give up when you can't yep. find it. Yeah, or just I'll just get distracted by it. But like it took place in like the modern day. That's the other thing I remember too. It took place in modern day Japan. Oh, interesting. But it was like an RPG and you'd have to go and collect stuff. God, I don't, I don't know. Huh. It's like Shin Megami Tensei? Uh, uh, doesn't that don't that don't look right? And this this Wikipedia thing is like completely useless because nope, that's, that's that ain't it for you. Okay, well, because that's I, like post-apocalyptic, where this was like literally like modern day. Yeah, like there were like skate shops and different things you'd go into, and you had to like talk to certain people in a certain order. It was like kind of like not really a puzzle game, but there. Uh, 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 hmm. What a, what a horrible horrible thing for my brain to do to me at this point. To Let's get see, what, stuck a, what, what a, this could possibly be. What a horrible night for a curse. <laughs> God, I just don't remember at all. Huh? Yeah, because it wasn't a 3DS game. It was because I played it on the old bricks, the silver brick DS. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe it didn't use Street Pass because I think Street Pass was, I think, 3DS. I think maybe it wasn't called Street Pass at the time. I don't know. I thought, hmm, I am not sure. I don't know. Good lord, there's just no way for me to remember what on earth this could possibly be. But it's not the Etrian Odyssey thing. <laughs> no, it is not Etrian Odyssey because that game is actually pretty sweet. Huh. But it is not that game, because that game does not play, take place in modern-day Japan. Okay. Yeah, I was looking at the cover. I'm like, that doesn't look right. Huh. Yeah, Etrian Odyssey. I'm trying to remember which one uh, I played. It was this one. Etrian Odyssey Untold 2, it looks like. Hmm. Yep, this definitely looks like it. So hard. So hard. Because basically there were creatures you just could not fight. So you were on like an overhead like uh, uh, square map. And then there were basically random encounters that you'd come across. But then there were also – they were literally called MOBs, like mobs, that you could actually see where they were that followed a specific walking pattern. Or when they when they when when you stepped into their pattern, they would charge you. And they would move, you know, one spot for every spot you'd move. So you'd have to time your way between them if you wanted to get around them. 
The thing is, is the early ones you come across, like even on like the first floor of the labyrinth that you're in, you can't beat them until you're like 30 levels higher. What? Like you do not want to mess with the, the mobs or else huh. they will jack you up. So then at some point you have to then go back when you're strong enough. You have to go back to the earlier floors and start fighting the mobs because they have like the next gear up equipment levels. Huh. So it gave you a way to replay early parts of the game. But the problem is when you first start playing a game, you're like, oh, I'll fight this thing. And you get all the time. Yeah, you just get jacked. You get jacked up really badly. Huh. So. Wait, so was that thing like you would interact with other people or was it just tracking? No, it was like, just distance? tracking who you. It was just tracking that it saw other 3D, like other DSs. Huh. That's I don't so think you weird. actually got to play with other people, or if you did, you just got to like trade gear with them. Oh, it had buttons. You'd have to collect buttons. What? I remember that. Weird. And that was just the DS, not the 3DS. Correct. Weird. Maybe somebody will remember. Like one of our listeners will be like, "It was this." Yeah, it definitely had some amount of like collecting buttons in game. Hmm. And, like, the buttons gave you different powers when you wore them. Hmm. And gave you different abilities. Good lord. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to see what I can find on this. It's just like, uh, I can't. Yeah, because every time you type in button, it talks about the buttons on the DS itself. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's I don't care about hardware or anything. I just, uh, no, that doesn't look right. <gasps> I might, oh, oh, I might have found it. I might have found oh. it. This looks familiar. Hold on. I guess this is it. What is I it? I believe it's the world ends with you. That sounds vaguely familiar, huh? Yes. Action role-playing game with urban fantasy elements de- developed by Square. Phoenix, oh, wow. Set in the modern-day Shibuya shopping district of Tokyo. Wow. And it's on the Switch now, apparently. Yeah, oh, this game was awesome. It was huh. so good. Hooray, the internet! Yeah, we did it. <laughs> yeah, apparently it's on Switch. That's... Huh. That's so... Huh. One of the designers, Tetsuya Nomura, started with on Final Fantasy VI. That's so weird. I am pretty sure this is it. Yeah? It's on iOS? Android? Maybe, I remember, am I, maybe I'm misremembering a thing about the buttons, but this... This looks like it. Hmm. Nice. Because huh. it had a good soundtrack, too. Yeah, I was trying to see who did the soundtrack, because I was like, oh, Square Game. It says, uh, composed uh, Ishimoto. Takaharu Ishimoto. Legend of Mana. Interesting. Figure, sorry. Figure, did you ever play that? Speaking of PS1 games that were by Square during their... <laughs> What's that? Vagrant Story. Uh, sounds familiar. Hold. 
Let me see here. Sounds familiar. Xeno Gears was awesome. Remember that? Yeah. Game? Okay. This looks super familiar. Mm-hmm. Don't I? I recognize the cover. Don't yeah, like, know if I've played it. You got like different weapons, and you could like upgrade them and and whatever. From what I remember, I don't think I've played this. It was it was solid. You know, I don't know. As it, were most parts games of it look familiar when I look at it. Yeah, but Probably. I don't. I don't remember enough to to remember having played it. May have seen it at like Blockbuster when you're renting stuff. Oh yeah, oh for sure. I actually had the thought of, oh, maybe I rented this at some point. That happened with me with Wild Arms. Whenever I went yeah. to Blockbuster or Hollywood Video or whatever, I would see Wild Arms and I never rented it. But now, whenever I see, I, I have that familiarity with it now. When I see it, it's like, ah, yes. Even though I've never played it, I, I really liked Wild Nine. Yeah, that's a good one. Because there's like the Earth. Because I love the Earthworm Jim. Yeah. Yeah, Wild Nine. I think the the uh, the tagline was "Torture your enemies." Wow! Because literally, you'd grab them like you had a, a fist that shot lightning bolts. It was like a tractor beam, and you would grab your enemies and like whip them around the board and like put them through like grinders and like grind their body into pieces and uh, and a bunch of different places. So, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty game was pretty fun. Also, yeah. kind of hard when it got towards the end, just like oh, Earthworm yeah. Jim was. Huge spike. Psychonauts is like that, too. That game's great. Which game? Psychonauts. It was for PS2, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't have played it. Yeah, that, game's, that game is sweet. Yeah. Good old. Good old uh, game. Video games. Good. Yep. Well, there, there's, there, there's your, your, your big tangent for the for the cast, folks. Yeah.